All right, guys. So welcome to another episode of Bottom of the Bill. We got our boy Bradley Churchman on today. Thanks for being here today, man. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for having Hell me. Hell yeah. A man of uh, God, Churchman, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little ironic. Um, <laughs> not so much. Yeah. Uh, all right, before we get started, we've got some shows to talk about. Um, Side Hustle, December 3rd at Orange Blossom Review. Tickets are going quick for that one, so make sure you get them. Uh, June 5th, uh, Hangout Express will be at Coop 303. That's our, that's our cover band name, okay. yeah. Hangout Express. Yeah. Uh, and then I'll be solo uh, on June 5th at the Garage, and then hmm. uh, June sorry June 4th at the Garage, and then June 5th at Bricks Tap House during the day. Woohoo. Um, yeah, so Bill, what you got coming? Well, I mean... Your run is going to be over by the time this airs, I think. That's not true. Oh, no, uh, we're airing it Friday if now. Doing I it, if we're doing it on Friday, then uh, hopefully you made it down to Dunedin for Greenhouse Lounge's return back to going on tour. Yeah. We've got two shows in Dunedin and one show in 1904 on Sunday. How's the show going right now? The uh, the show? The, the, the Dunedin show. You guys are playing right now, right? Yeah, but this airs at like, what, what, what time is this air? We'll probably air like around 8. We're doing great. <laughs> Actually, we should probably just be warming up. We haven't gotten on. Oh yeah, you guys yet. are probably sound checking right now. Yeah, we're just sound checking. Yeah, that's cool. It's going really well. This is weird talking in present tense. Yeah. it's going really great. That's awesome. Happy <laughs> so to hear it. Stupid. Uh, you got anything? You guys got anything coming up you want to promote? Uh, not off the top of my head. No. Cool. Um, we've got a little bit in June, a little bit in July. It's still wide open if you're looking to book bands. And that's that's a really actually a really good way to get people to, to your website to see where you're playing. You know what I mean? You can, it's like you can pretend like you don't like, like you can pretend like you don't know what dates you have, and it's just like I don't just go to the website and check it out, and then no, you know, I gets, literally don't know. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I'd have to get my phone out and look. Yeah. Uh, all right. So um, you want to give us some background on yourself and how you got started and. Um, well, music's always been a thing for me. Um, I was very lucky to grow up with parents that were very much, while neither of them were musicians, they were both, music was a large part of my upbringing. Um, my earliest memories are car trips with the folks. Um, I got raised on good music. I got raised on a lot of Steely Dan. Hell yeah. A lot of Eagles, uh, Fleetwood Mac, the Doobie Brothers. Um, and they were both from, uh, my mom was from the Philly area. My dad was from Jersey. I got a heavy dose of Motown as well. Nice. Um, and they loved music and um, always made a point to say, well, this is my favorite, or I like this part of the song. Like, they, they, were, they communicated about music. They turned it up. Um, so I was very grateful for that. And to this day, some of my most favorite music in the world was played during those car trips. Um, I can't get enough of Steely Dan. You got lucky because uh, my mom raised me. I listened to Madonna most of the time. Ooh. I know every fucking Madonna. I didn't talk. And Casey, she loved the disco. The she, disco. She was, cause she, she was a disco girl. They had a lot of discos in Wil, uh, Wilmore, Kentucky. And, <laughs> in Lexington, maybe there was. I don't know. But she loved Casey and the Sunshine Band like more than any person on the planet. Um, the, uh, and they're good. I like they're Casey. They're an Ohio and, band. Are they not? Are I, they? Had, I, I don't know that. Is that okay. true? I don't know. I'm making that up. I figured they were like in California or something like that. A lot of their, band, a lot of their, their members are based out of South Florida now. Really? Yeah. All right. Well, because they're old. That's where you retire. That's where. <laughs> yeah. Is KC still alive? I don't know. Probably. Right. I would imagine so. They're still anyway. touring. Sorry to interrupt, but that's pretty cool that you got all that. Uh, I was lucky. Yes. Now, neither of them were hippies. Um, they were, uh, you know, working. I 
had a stay-at-home mom. Um, but, uh, um, like, so I wasn't getting turned on to Santana or the Grateful Dead or anything like that. It was more the mainstream stuff. But sure. at that point, mainstream was real rock and roll. Yeah, it was really good, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so when, like, how old were you when you discovered that you were really passionate about music and wanted to maybe start playing? Um, I was probably 10 or 11 when um, I, I really wanted to... Um, you know, I wanted to make music and it wasn't it wasn't that I was feeling creative to write music or anything. I just wanted to play what I liked to hear. Um, I, uh, for many years, collected comic books. Okay. Um, and was a total nerd about it. Mylar bags, cardboard bags. I read them once. They got put away forever. Um, it was about, you know, their worth, I guess, even at that age. Um, and I kind of wore that out and hit a point where music was more important than comic books. And I went and sold my collection. I didn't say, hey, mom, buy me a guitar. I said, hey, mom, I want to sell my comic books. And we went out to a comic book shop. I probably got a third of what they were worth um, and probably, uh, you know, one-tenth of what they'd be worth now. Yeah, probably. Um, but uh, we walked out the door. I was a happy camper. We went straight to the Music City in Manassas, Virginia. That was the name of the store. Went straight to Music City, and I walked out with a Kramer guitar. Nice. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> exactly. I yeah. don't know what that is. Um, Kramer was popular during the 80s. Oh. Um, I'm 47, or I'll be 47 at the end of the year. Good for you. So we're talking 1985, 1986. Yeah. Hair metal. Guns N' Roses probably hadn't even hit yet. Yeah, it was just Van Halen the whole time, right? And, uh, and speaking which, of, which, used a Kramer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Eddie Van Halen definitely played Kramer. Yeah. I don't know anything about guitars. So, um, <laughs> so uh, and then um, at the very same store, I was able to get music lessons there, um, and it was a really interesting situation I had with my instructor that pretty much paved the way for how I went about learning music for the rest of my life. He had perfect pitch, like literally perfect pitch. Crazy. Um, The first couple of lessons were power chords and cowboy chords, and once we moved past that, he said, well, next week, bring a cassette in. CDs weren't around yet. Bring a cassette in of your favorite song, and I'll show you how to play it. So for, 85, it was, that would be Billy Idol. Was just, uh, there was some Billy Idol. Ah, I was there was some Motley Crue. There <laughs> oh. was some Metallica. There was a lot of metal. That's what I was into at that age. Okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, for probably a good year and a half, I would just bring in a cassette, and he'd show me a song. Um, and it was more about him saying, Hey dude, watch my hands. Um, and that was like where I, it wasn't about music theory. It wasn't about reading music. It was about playing music you enjoyed to play, Yeah. which I don't know that I ever would have stuck it out if I'd have had somebody. No, that's the best way to teach any kid. I've always said that. Go me you, th- gotta, you gotta be fun with it. Well, yeah. but I mean, take me through those Mel Bay books and, you know, the Mary Had a Little Lamb and, and the sight reading and all that. I would have bailed pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, because it, it's, 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 yeah, because it's like. you're in Psycho. It's, 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 <laughs> you're in Psycho. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, you're I was, not uh, wrong. That's why well, I had so many students when I was 
teaching piano. It's because everybody else is like, well, we're going to do this piano. I'm like, no, we're not going to yeah, do well, What do you want to learn, kid? Well, if <laughs> where's your passion at? Yeah, what do you exactly. like to listen exactly. to? Let's get you playing like exactly, that. Exactly. And then on the way, I'd be like, all right, we'll, we'll learn one of your guys, but then we're going to pepper in some Mozart because you yeah. got to learn that too. <laughs> yeah. uh, not on guitar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have to teach a guitar, but on piano, you got to. Well, I think that. You know, if you're getting involved in something like that because you're passionate about it, it's one thing if the parents are just basically looking for a babysitter that can teach you something productive, right? But if you're if you're uh, if you're getting into it because you really want to learn how to do something, it's important to to, to facilitate whatever it is that the kid wants to learn. You know, what, what do they like to listen to? It makes them passionate about it, and then focus on that. You know, show them the basics. Obviously, I didn't get into music theory till I was like well into playing music and, and it I'm helped still me. not really into music theory. Yeah. I mean, honest. you don't even really, a lot of people don't need it and that, and that's fine for me. I, I started playing with people that only communicated in that language. So if I didn't learn it, I was completely screwed. So I had to start. Spanish. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. Racism. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, but you know, I was well into it. And by the time, by, by the time that, had come around it was fun for me to learn because it was helping to explain all these things that i loved about music it was filling in gaps exactly too. exactly yeah, exactly yeah, yeah, yeah i got a few gaps i needed to fill in for <laughs> sure well so you so you started playing you you started taking lessons and then you weren't like writing right away oh no no no, no. i didn't write for years and years and years um i I, it, I honestly started it at, it was a hobby i played in my bedroom for myself um, occasionally would be brave enough to show a friend or whatever, but it, I, I didn't get my first guitar with the intention of playing on stage at all. Um, it wasn't until I was probably 20 or so and started sneaking into bars, started checking out local Jacksonville live music. I've seen a lot of Glass Camels over the years. Oh, man, I love Dave Hennishaw so much. I've seen a lot of Glass Camels. I've seen <laughs> every version of them over the years. Um, and I also met another friend um, who y'all might know. He's currently playing with uh, Paul Ivey in the Souls of Joy. Souls of Joy, yeah. Thank you. Uh, Michael Richardson. Yeah. He had, um, I'd met him in high school. He moved out of California. He had returned. And um, he was really trying to be a performing musician. And we had gotten together and played a couple of times. And I remember, have, you know, watching local live music, playing a little bit with Michael. I, I was like, you know what? I think if I work a little harder, I can do this, too. <laughs> and from that point, it was on. Um, it was no longer... Practicing as a hobby, it was how do I get good enough to play with other people, um, which I thought I got good enough to play with other people and started playing with other people and realized how deficient I was and that I wasn't ready to play with other people, um, which leads us to my first band, Fifth South. Um, we rehearsed in this tiny little shotgun shack for well over a year and were horrible the entire time. <laughs> that's when I really learned how to listen, or that's when I began to learn how to listen. And how and old how, are you? <laughs> I was in my 20s at this point. Okay, I was right. probably 23, 24. I, like, I was like, yeah, I'm ready to do this. Yeah, I wasn't at all. We weren't <laughs> at all. Mentally ready. And yeah. um, <laughs> it took a long time for us to get to a point where we thought we could perform out and even then 
um, thankfully Facebook wasn't around and like there aren't all these videos, videos. on the internet that everybody can go look up right now that is true. and see how horrible we were. It's a fickle's mistress that social media can make or break you. Yeah. But yeah, you know, no mistakes. I like the idea of never having to have a mistake on social media. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah. That's why you just had to be there, man. It was great. They were awesome. Just yeah. be word of mouth like it used to be. Right. You could never right. you, you could never be like, oh, he's fucking awful. Like, watch him make all these mistakes. No. Yeah. Unless you're, you're taping it like in the dead. You still do. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and even then, they're telling them how good they were. Yeah. No offense. <laughs> <laughs> I love the Grateful Dead. We'll talk about the Grateful Dead I'm in a minute. I'm joking. sure. Yeah, for I'm sure. joking. Um, so, what kind of stuff were you guys doing? Um, it was all covers when we first started. A lot of widespread panic. A little bit of Grateful Dead. Um, hippie jam band stuff for sure. Um, Had you discovered that stuff before you joined this band? Or yes, I discovered the Grateful Dead in high school, and um, I'll never forget my mom walking in the bedroom and being like. Are you listening to country? Yeah. And me being like, no, mom, this is the Grateful Dead. And she was like, that's not at all what I thought acid rock sounded like. Yeah. And I was like, me either. It turns out they're pretty good. Yeah. Um, but uh, I developed a, a passion for the Grateful Dead in high school. Um, at that point, they Jerry was still alive. Yeah. Um, they were still touring regularly. I had the privilege to get to see Jerry several times. Um, not that I really knew what I was listening to at that point, but, um, I can at least say I got to see Jerry. Um, last show was, uh, the Tampa stadium show, which is all of my Florida deadhead friends. It's like 99% of them. That was their last show as well. Um, but, uh, from that point it was me looking into listening to all the bootlegs, all the tapes and couldn't get enough of it, couldn't get enough of it, and spent probably f- my entire 20s into my 30s like I got a question delving about, deep. about those bootlegs. I was uh, wondering, because like, the way that I've always listened to them is on archive.org. Right. Which is like, do you know what that site is? Yeah. Okay, but yeah. What, how, did, how did you get bootlegs? They were on tape cassettes back well, then. Well, okay, well, where did you go to get them? Um, uh, your deadhead friends, man. They um, always had them? Well, um, the deal was, like, uh, tapers got taper tickets, and the rule was you don't charge more than materials. Like, like if you charge for a bootleg, you're covering the cost of the cassette. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that's that. Um, so tapes got traded around regularly and everybody was collecting tapes. And, um, I was fortunate enough to, um, in my, I was probably 20. Um, I met, uh, I met a woman, Terry. Um, she was six years older than me, Teresa Padolino. And she'd been on dead tour for several years, saw hundreds of shows. And she had an extensive tape collection that I just started going through and stole most of them from her. Nice. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just trying to think of like how that must have been. So, okay, obviously like a taper goes to a show and then they record it. And then what do they make like? like a hundred tapes to give out to people or something? Well, um, yes, absolutely. And you're sw- like, everybody's got a, uh, the hippie jam band lot scene. Everybody's got a gimmick. Everybody's trying to swing something, sell something. Oh shit. Well, they were so selling tapes. They, they were probably, you know, selling tapes for 50 cents a pop. No kidding. You know, like 
the Grateful Dead would have cracked down if people were making money making or money. a living off of it. But oh, the rule was be kind and just try and cover your costs. And, you know, people were trying to spread the music for the love of music. It's so ultimately what got them so got them got them to where they were and where you know where they are right now as as a legacy kind of thing. Yeah, I it was like all word of mouth and spreading around tapes yeah. and. I missed out on that whole. They were thing. a horrible studio band. Yeah, I know. Really, I I Shake Down I, I felt okay. like no, I felt <laughs> no, no. The album, the album is okay. I felt like what, what was that? What was their first like big studio album? Um, within the same year, they released. American Beauty and Working Man's Dead. I think it was 1970. Which one was Terrapin Station on? Uh, Terrapin Station was on Terrapin Station. No, I, I, yeah, I, I, that, I didn't want to correct that you. Was year, that was years and years <laughs> later. Okay. Um, American Beauty has got uh, da, 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 um, Toronto Blank, um, Ripple. Okay. It was like through the 60s, they were really a acid test band acid rock band and it was really experimental and got really far out there and then um with these next two albums the american beauty and working man's dead they really got back to roots and folky um because the grateful dead were originally mother mccree's uptown jug champions they were a fucking jug band Oh, they wow. were doing bluegrass, and Jerry's first instrument is the banjo. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know um, that. Yeah, they were a string band initially. He didn't know that uh, Jerry had four fingers on one hand. I didn't know that yeah, either. Yeah, his little brother cut it off with an axe. Is that really what happened? I thought it was a motorcycle accident. No, they were chopping. You're thinking the Almond Brothers. Um, they were. <laughs> they, oh man, they, <laughs> so fucked up. They were. <laughs> It's true. I know it's true. Um, like, good lord. They were <laughs> cutting firewood, and I think Jerry was holding a piece of wood for his little brother and chopped Jerry, it off. Jerry got it in, right off. He got in a motorcycle accident. I know that. And then he was he was in that, whatever. I don't he drove know. BMWs. I don't think he drove motorcycles. But like before he started the dead and everything. Like, that's why. That's why I thought that he he. Okay, whatever. I didn't. I don't. I don't know how he did lose it. Well, Brad, anyways, Brad just told you. I know. Yeah, his little brother cut it off with an axe, chopping wood. As children, like Jerry grew up without a hand, I had, a finger. On I had, hand. I literally just discovered that like a few weeks ago. I had yeah, no I idea had he was missing a that. finger. I know, like, right? How many times have y'all seen that? That's what I tried. I show that yeah. like he's missing the, the finger, like the I, white hand of Saruman, but it's Jerry, <laughs> <laughs> and, and he's missing the tip yeah. of his middle finger. Yeah, yeah, I just never, I just never put it together. Um, <laughs> motherfucker could still finger pick like crazy, though. Yeah, yeah. With that, and it was his right hand. It was his finger picking hand. He used that 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 weird no. mutated digit. I don't know, but it's he could. Band but name, he, could by the way. he could still. <laughs> he could still finger pick with the other four. So, uh, uh, I, going okay. Sorry, I went off on a big tangent and but everything. But with the Grateful Dead and everything like that, I thought it was. Uh, I, I love that 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 they were just like okay, like this is the way that we're gonna get this jam band, which was a live experience. That's the best. Well, way that to was see their, that was their thoughts. Their thoughts were like this concert tonight is a moment in time right yeah. and who owns time we don't own time <laughs> so y'all can have this just don't try and make money off of it right no, yeah but the the whole the whole like community of it where you're because nowadays like like you said all you can do is just like just download it off the internet but i imagine like those connections and everything that you make like hey do you want to fucking live music it's right here you know well, what I mean? like and, the and then and then you and then just imagine so like you befriend a taper exactly and then you're like dude were you there three weeks ago that show was fire i need a copy of that exactly and you know you start 
you start making tapes for your friends. Well, is it is it are we are we too far gone into the future now where we can go a little bit back where we're doing like records and everything? Just bring tapes back. Well, they, they've tried to do that already. They're like, like, like it's not, but it's not a, like, a lot, It's not, well because because cassettes don't sound good, and the uh, and like 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 no, the and and, and they, each they, and they, each generation. Like so, if I get if I've got the first generation recording off the master tapes, and then I make a copy, it's a little less. Yeah, and then he makes a copy, it's yeah, a little less, and then true. further on down the line, it deteriorates. Just, the the punk it. kids try to bring it back for a while. Well, like when I was in like my mid twenties, early twenties, it was starting to make a comeback with with like the punk scene. And I remember working at at. Um, at uh, Sam Ash down in Miami, and this one dude was like, "Hey man, you guys, you guys want to come by listen to some cassettes later?" And this and that. And I was like, "Bro, this is the tr- like I, I like vinyl was a thing that came back because it was something special about that. No one liked cassettes, even when they were around. It was like I do. Yeah, but it's it's but why though? They don't sound Cause, good. Because vinyl has a sound to them. Well, you know, it's nostalgia. It's nostalgia. It's nostalgia. Like, like vinyl has a specific thing to Do they make tape players it. anymore? Like, could you, like, if you had That's a tape cassette, problem. could you literally play it on I, something? I have a boombox from like two thousand. Sure, it that... sounds great. I'd love to listen to music on it. <laughs> you can make mixtapes. I bet you could EQ it too. Yeah. <laughs> it has a double bass boost on it. It's got a button. Yes, that... I remember that. Yeah. And and uh, uh, it reminds me when I used to like record songs off the radio when exactly. I was a kid. Just like try, it's like, oh man, that fucking girl. Beatles song. I know that fucking Beatles song's coming on today on this radio station at two p.m. I'm gonna make sure that I'm right there when it comes on, so I can just press record on it. All I'm trying to say over this umbrella of uh, conversation Sorry. Is, is just that I wish that that was a thing still at festivals. I understand now. Oh, that that's what you're saying. Is is it's like you can you can be like, oh, you can download this and everything. Like well, that. and nowadays you can't hold it in your hand. Now it uh, exactly right. There, there are no liner notes. So one yeah. of my one of my favorite thing about <laughs> Grateful Dead tapes were the way people decorated their the yeah, not yeah. the liner notes, but like the way they would spell certain songs or abbreviate certain songs, and and it was always fun. Just it's very customizable. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's like, shit's cool. gone now. I want to bring it back. We're totally gone. To do, we ought to do tapes. There's got to be something. You know what I mean? Well, they call NFTs now. Fuck you. That's like the most <laughs> digital what's thing. What's an Okay, so an, oh, uh, don't. <laughs> I don't really know fully what I'm talking about on this subject, but uh, it's part of like the the cryptocurrency thing and it's a it's you a already ton, lost a me a ton of fun to talk about you already saying, lost me there's like like, like some cash bands, is king yeah, <laughs> so, some bands have uh, released nfts and made like a shit ton of money because it's essentially like it's kind of like paradoxical in the sense where it's supposed to be like the original digital stamp of whatever piece of you that you're putting out so it's like essentially have like the nft would be like the equivalent of having like the real mona lisa kind of thing but but like the problem is you're printing like you know a hundred NFTs. You're making and it too complicated. It's like getting an original piece of artwork, but it's digital, and there's only like a certain amount of them, and then you have one of them. Call me old fashioned, yeah. but there's digital artwork isn't original at that point. No. Because it's a copy of it. It's a copy of the original. Like unless you've how re- literally got the pen and ink drawing. But the way that the way that uh, you can uh, kind of digest it is like imagine like getting uh, uh, the White Album first pressing. You know what I mean? Yeah. That shit's worth okay. a lot of money. Unopened. Totally. 
that's what it is. That's okay, the way it's, you can think but of. it's not, but it's not like original artwork no. by an artist. But you never owned the original art of an artist except it, it, it's, its physical form. But even like for music, though. You never had the original. But, but form. No, no, NFTs. it's impossible to have exactly. like unless you literally own. You know, back in the day, it was if you got the tapes. masters, yeah, like Kanye right. trying to get them back. I right. think NFTs are supposed to be the original one, though. That's what it is. It's no. supposed to be the, the the original one, which I don't understand how it works. Or That's maybe, why I'm, maybe, I preface that. Well, by are saying, they drawing it digitally? So therefore, it's already a di- it's digital just, media. Well, well, it's not just it's not just uh, draw, uh, like like a piece of art. It's also music. It, like like they, they have they have like it's all digital. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Like, they have like these it's entire really like art galleries with like these NFTs where you can go. It's like very immersive. It's like a whole thing. And made just, like thirty five million dollars selling his artwork on NFTs on one day. He sold like twenty different paintings, digital paintings for thirty five million dollars. Yeah. It's, well, it's the future for sure, but I'm saying it's basically the same thing as selling I tapes. Wanna, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I want to go back to fucking selling tapes. Yeah, I didn't even get to live in that. I think it'd be a lot. Of, well, it probably sucked. There's probably some bad parts about it where like it just like, oh, this is the this is the wrong fucking tape. Maybe <laughs> did that ever happen? Um, <laughs> well, I mean, like you'd get a tape and you'd play it into the ground and you'd be like, oh, it's about it, now it's, gone. it's like eight beats a minute slower than it used to be or whatever. Bill, like, is, that, is that just on OBS or is that the camera? You can't play along with it. Hey, everyone. Just want to take a second to talk to you about one of our favorite music venues, Blue Jay Listening Room. Blue Jay is a space for true music lovers where every ticket is a backstage pass. Silence your cell phones, enjoy a nice glass of wine or craft beer, and be part of an intimate experience unlike anywhere else in Jacksonville. Hear national and local artists sing their original songs and share the stories behind them in a space carefully curated for the premiere show-going experience. I personally have seen some of my favorite shows here, as well as having played in some of my heroes. Not only is Blue Jay a wonderfully unique experience, it has become a staple in the Florida music scene. Mention Bottom of the Bill on your next visit and receive 10% off your tab. Blue Jay is located at 2457 3rd Street South, Jacksonville Beach, and be sure to check out www.bluejayjacks.com for news, ticketing, and events. Alright, sorry guys, we had some technical difficulties and just had to get that fixed. Uh, so we were talking about tapes and the Grateful Dead. It's, I don't want to talk about NFTs anymore. Good, because I'm Let's fucking go. sick. <laughs> um, I, I'm actually curious uh, when... Like, I ask this to a lot of musicians because it's like when people ha- like people have this idea of like being in a band before they're actually in a band. It's like very like glamorous and and whatever to them. Uh, what was it? What what did you quickly find out after you joined a band or started a band that uh, became apparent to you that maybe wasn't apparent to you before? Um, being in a band is like having you know if you're in a five piece, it's like having four fucking girlfriends. Um, there are, everybody's got a really a strong opinion. Everybody's got a really big idea of how this should go. And they don't always or rarely coincide or, you know, come to come together. Right. Um, I, when I, the thing that made me first realize that this isn't at all what I thought it was going to be was because I thought, we would have a unanimous band name decision. I thought that there would be a moment where a band name would be suggested. We would all look at each other and go, that's the one. 
Um, it's never happened in my life. Yeah. <laughs> That's why do you think we're never, called side hustle? Never happened in my life. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's there's a lot of push and pull, um, which just goes down the line with every other thing about the band. There's a lot of push and pull, and you kind of really gotta decide to pick your battles. Yeah, totally. Like, man. is this really worth me rocking the boat or ups like what are the things I have to have and what are the things I can just let go? Right. Uh um, compromise and like what hill you're willing to die a on. Tremendous kind of amount of compromise. Yeah. yeah. And if it's something I'm gonna die on, I better be prepared to die on. Yeah, it. for sure. What do you think the uh worst band name is versus how popular they are? I'll go first. It's the Beatles. Without a doubt, that's the worst, yeah, corniest fucking name of all time. time it would have been fine if they'd have spelled it appropriately. No, it's got to um, have a pun in it and yeah. everything. <laughs> I, for me, um, the worst band names um, always um, bring up what it is that the band does. You know, if you're funky, I don't want to see funk in the name of your band. You gotta have it if you're a funk band. That's like... About, 101 I, funk. <laughs> I feel you though. I, 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 like, I feel saying. like if you have to describe musically and like literally by genre what you're doing in your band name, you might be doing it wrong. I, I feel agree. like if uh, uh, you're a jam band, you have to have a name of a food as part of your band name. <laughs> Without a doubt, every single fucking jam band, have at least 50% of them has Have y'all ever seen the uh, 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 mockumentary Oh, uh, the uh, uh, electric quest, apricot. electric apricot. Yes, the quest Les, for Fester. I've been telling you to watch this forever. Festeroo. Les Claypool. That's so fucking nailed the jam band scene yes. in that movie. You only record you your first record once. Yet, you only record your first album once. You. <laughs> <laughs> he, spends, he spends four hours in the recording studio tuning his drums. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Roo. Yeah. Um, Electric Apricot. Absolutely. Strawberry Alarm Clock. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. He's gotta yeah. Have, it's got to have a fucking yeah. food name in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember you telling me about that one a while ago. I have not checked it out it's, yet. I have to watch funny, it. It's funny, but it's only funny if you're a musician. If, like, it, I try to... In a jam band. Yeah. If you're a musician yeah. in a jam band... Yeah. It's really funny. Yeah, but that shit is that is one of the funniest things ever, and it's it's like right at the height of it, like with fish and everything like that in the nineties and everything. It's, yeah. And I, oh yeah, like Bonnaroo was only three or four years yeah. deep at that point. Like Bonnaroo hadn't gone mainstream yet. Yeah. But uh, 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 the God, what's his fucking name? The guitarist from uh, Panic. Is in and at the Jimmy end. Hearing. Jimmy Herring said in and at the end. Sorry, I couldn't think of it. Oh, I forgot that. It's yeah, been a he's long in time and, since I've seen and it. And the 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 guitarist is just like just so in like all of them. He's just like, Yo, you can fuck my girlfriend if you want. <laughs> 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 and then he just runs into the forest because he felt so embarrassed. And then they find him two days later. And then he ma- he makes a set and it all comes together. You've got to watch it. In my opinion, it's 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 better than uh, Spinal Tap. Really? Yeah. Okay. Just just being in a jam band for so long, it's way better. Yeah. Well, if we're talking mockumentaries for a second, um, there's another one about like the whole folk rock scene from yeah. the 70s. The Life and Hard Times of Guy Terrifico. I haven't, I haven't heard of that I at all. I think I've heard of that one before. It is brilliant. It's loosely based, like, this guy's kind of a Graham Parsons sort of, like, is he dead? Where's his body? We're not quite sure sort of thing, like the whole mystery with yeah. Grant Parsons and the whole bit. Um, but it 
um, brings in a tremendous amount of real Levon Helms in it. There, like, nice. There's a tremendous amount of actual musicians who are playing the part for a minute and talking about, well, I remember this one time guy, like he was a derelict drug addict drunk, this, that, the other, won the lottery and bought a honky-tonk and a honky-tonk band. <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant and... Um, uh, uh, the lead character, Guy Terrifico, is portrayed by a gentleman by the name of Matt Murphy, not to be confused with Saturday Night Live Matt Murphy. Um, he's a fantastic songwriter. The, the soundtrack is on regular rotation. When did this come out? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask God, you. this was 90s. 90s? Uh, so it was yeah. after Spinal Tap. Spinal Tap was first. Was though, it the right? same crew of people that did like, like, uh, like Best in Show and all that? I feel like I've no, seen... No, 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 okay. no, no. But I know what you're talking about. Okay. Um, no, the Life and Hard Times got Terrifico. I think you can find it on YouTube in like three parts. Okay, I see. I'll have to check that out too. I love mockumentaries, especially about music. It's just I've got so the soundtrack funny. on my phone if you, you want to hear it. It's brilliant. I'll watch that one for sure, but you got to fucking watch Electric Africa. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You especially. Yeah, I will. Like, right before you go to your next festival. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. I got, yeah like, yeah. as a band. Yeah. Yeah, as a band, we all yeah. sit down and watch it together. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I haven't found anybody that's seen that, that fucking movie besides you. I've talked to, like, everybody's like, you've seen this, right? They're like, no. <laughs> like, not even the, like, the Primus heads have seen it. Well, it's, like, it's, it's another one that's, like, it's just really only on YouTube, right? You can't really find it anywhere else. It, I, I, it was on Netflix like back in like 2010, and I watched it on there. You still had to order it to your house? No, I, that was during the streaming process. <laughs> <laughs> when they delivered the DVD to your yeah. house and you had to mail it back? That's yeah. the other thing I missed too is fucking Blockbuster. Okay, look, I watched I watched that, that new thing on Netflix about it. I've just got to say. Oh, I stopped watching that. That was a bad documentary. No, it was a good documentary, but it's just like, it's just like like who gives a fuck about like who cares? I do. Did it's you nostalgia. It's I, I I had many memberships to Blockbuster. Yeah. yeah. Growing up, I, we used to go there after like like on Fridays. Like my dad used to take us there, uh, like every, literally every Friday. We had the, you, the you movies of the weekend. Really great childhood. It was it was it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, notice how I said that my dad used to take us there. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, but but it was like. But and it was amazing. Like you go there and you get you know you get your candy, you get your, your video games or your wow, or your movies. And it was amazing. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> like movie theater candy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> fucking yeah. like the big boxes. Yeah, big yeah. boxes. Uh, and it was it was amazing. I remember I used to I, I used to when I was in elementary school I was obsessed with Elvis. So I would. I would like order all of his movies. They never had them in stock, but you can order them. So I would get like Jailhouse Rock. I would get like King Creole. Like, I, was all, a, I was a big fan of Elvis movies. As you a were. Oh yeah. I don't understand it now, but I but he's I used because he's dude. fucking Elvis. He's the he, king. He's dude. a fucking king. That's what it was. And I was obsessed with his music and just everything. Well, not really his music, right? But I mean, I was obsessed with what he did with other people's music. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, and I thought he was just like the coolest human being on the planet. So I, I used to order yeah. those movies. It's great. But then I'm just like, but it's done now and we can just move on. Right? Why do we have to like keep the one blockbuster in Oregon no, fucking I'm, open? I'm sorry to keep this topic going, but like, yeah, I, I, that's what I'm trying to say about the tapes and everything like that. I miss all that shit now. Yeah. And actually, I feel bad for all the fucking kids that don't get to do that anymore. Why? Wow, they get to hang out at home and just watch Netflix Fuck and that. TikTok all day. They, they just hang out at home too much. Technology is quickly passing me by. Yeah. Uh, my smartphone is way smarter than me. Yeah. Um, like, it's hard to keep up with, bro. It's well, a lot. For me to be able to navigate 
the internet and down like it's it, basically i need help at this point yeah yeah i understand that without a doubt i need help too it's it's really frustrating i i just wish like i don't know like there's got to be some sort of gov- government subsidy for keeping something out alive like that oh god damn like Bill. just like maybe like wh- you get to have one video rental oh, place per city we'll, we'll use bezos per, bucks perhaps, right yeah perhaps bezos. they just have it all at the library of congress that's true. We can get a, you can still rent movies at the library. Or can you? I haven't been to the library. You know where the Library forever. of Congress is, yeah. Yes, I know the big okay. one. But I'm thinking, like, for posterity's sake, maybe, you know, somebody donates their Grateful Dead tapes to the Library, the library of Congress. <laughs> but all of them are uploaded to archive.org. They are, but they're not the Grateful Dead tapes that he hand-decorated by himself. Exactly, and yeah, they're not. Are those in a museum somewhere? Indiana Jones style belongs in a museum. That'd be cool. They probably will soon, I suppose. Um, I grew up uh, in Northern Virginia and spent a lot of time at the Smithsonian. Yeah, that's um, cool. Speaking of like movie, like uh, Archie Bunker's <laughs> armchair was in. What? Um, yeah, there was a big grease spot in the back where his head oh, was. Gross. Oh my god! Did you ever god. watch that show on the family? I love that show. Me too. When I was a kid, yeah. I yeah, watched I used all to the watch time. it Nick at Night. Yeah, Nick yeah. at Night. <sighs> Yeah. Super PC. Not at all. <laughs> I watch. I watch. Like I've seen clips of it recently. I'm just like, it's horrifying. That is some wild is, shit. Is horrifying. P- yeah. Is Pollock PC now or no? No, not at all. I can't say that anymore. No. Huh? I don't think who so. does that offend? Meatheads. Uh, Polish, Polish people. <laughs> we'll, we'll ask. We'll ask just our drummer kidding. about it. Jeez. Um. All right. So, anyways. Uh. Um. So at. At what point did you get involved with the Freebird and start working over there? Um, so I worked next door to the Freebird um, at uh, Campeche Bay. I bartended there for ten years. Rest in fucking peace. The oh, best yeah. fucking restaurant and the beach. It's good. You had good tacos there. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> I I learned a lot there. I learned how to bartend there. Anyways, Freebird sprung up, and we were the best food. Closest to the Freebird, so we would have their management in there getting food. Tim Hall would be in there getting food all the time. And they'd come to the bar, order to go food, and I'd chat people up. Um, you know, aspiring musician, you know. Um, and Dave, David Raymond was their general manager at the time. And every time he came in, I basically said, hey, how do I get a job bartending there? Um, and after... You know, it could have been months. It could have been in years. Um, at one point, he was like, we got a sold-out show coming up in two weeks, and I could use an extra bartender. And I was like, I'm your boy. So for about a year and a half or so, I was a guest bartender. I'd come in when they were super busy and needed a little extra help, which really worked well for me because if they were super busy, Making I made money. a ton of money. So she drinks were probably really expensive um, there. At Freebird? Yeah. Not too bad. No. No. I went there once, so. You, you only, you, so you did go? Yeah, one time. It was shut down shortly after I moved here. It was so, the best, yeah. but I don't think I ever buy a drink there ever. Really? Were you not old enough? Didn't need to. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, you and a whole lot of other people. Um, <laughs> It's a great place, though. But uh, after about a year and a half of guest bartending, Dave Raymond ended up, uh, he had a baby on the way, got a job with, you know, full benefits and whatnot, and um, he recommended for me to become the manager. And Judy offered me the job. Um, I didn't hesitate to take it. Um, I'd never managed anything in my life. 
Um, it was a huge learning experience for me. I learned a lot of things not to do yeah. as a manager. Um, it, uh, I spent better part of a decade there, um, learned invaluable lessons uh, as a manager, as a musician, as venue staff. Um, watched a lot of people show their ass, watched a lot of people be extremely respectful, um, and everything in between. Um, it was, uh, uh, the most unique job I will ever have. I don't see myself having something like that. Like that's a once in a lifetime situation. What were your responsibilities there? Just, I mean, I'm sure there, it varied, um, but. I was, um, anything and everything, you name it. Um, I was first in last out every night. Um, I was there before the band got there. I was there after the band left. Um, I had to make sure that we had enough beer, that we had enough liquor, that we had clean bathrooms, that we had clean band towels. Um, I would often get sent to run for uh, stuff off bands riders. I'd be at the store, at the liquor store, whatever, um, down to just shaking hands, kissing babies, working the box office. Um, the thing I probably did the most, and it wasn't the most fun, would be uh, through the course of a show. Um, we had a very on-point security staff. Um, we were an all-ages club. Billy's <laughs> like, no. <laughs> we were an all-ages club. They were good enough to I keep didn't me. Think you were gonna see me. They were good enough to keep me busy, anyway. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, a great staff. They're gonna, they're gonna get the dumbos. Um, for sure. So, Freebird, not me. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> Freebird Free Live was owned by Judy Van Zant yeah. and her daughter Melody Van Zant. Um, Judy's the widow of Ronnie Van Zant. Melody is their daughter. Yeah. Um, it was very important to Judy that we were all ages. Yeah. Um, 12 and up. And that's my favorite rule about Freebird. You can't shoot bubble gum. It was on the fucking. Uh, uh huh. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so stupid. You can't shoot bubble gum. No, I'd love to hear why, though. <laughs> Scraping bubble gum off yeah. the floor. Yeah. But it was, was so funny, like how or under the rails, or off the walls, yeah. or wherever yeah, somebody put gross. it. Yeah. Under the rules, it would be like the third one down. Yeah. It was like yeah. twelve something something. No bubble gum. It was clearly written. Those rules were clearly <laughs> written by somebody who had to scrape bubble gum. Yeah. <laughs> that was um, my favorite thing about that. No fun. Anyways, it was really it was crucial that we remained all ages as. Yeah often as possible and i think there were very 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 few situations i think the jenna tortures were one where we went 18 and up um oh. they do like body piercing on stage while they're performing Good it was night. it was uh, as an adult a show is we pretty much did there but um it was important to judy that we were all ages that the teenagers got a chance to see live music um which created a lot of headaches um, there was a tremendous amount of underage drinking. We had a full liquor bar. Um, but the majority of my job was during the course of a show, as people got thrown out for this, that, the other, mostly underage drinking, inevitably they would deny that they did anything wrong and ask to speak to a manager. So I spent a lot of time out front telling people, sorry about your luck. You can come back tomorrow. You just can't come back tonight. Um, 
I, I had a lot of friends that I had to talk to you. I got called <laughs> every name in the book. But I never got it caught. I got called a dirtbag. Uh, I had people threatened to sue me on the regular. People threatened to sue the Freebird on the regular. And it got to the point where as I hardened my heart to the sob stories over the years, it got to the point where as soon as somebody brought up a lawyer, I'd be like, well... My name is Bradley Churchman. That's C H U R C H M A N. Make sure your lawyer gets my name right. Yeah. <laughs> have a good night. And then when I finally got business cards, I would be like, here's my card. Make, yeah. sure, make sure you get that to your lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> I never personally got sued once. Yeah. I mean, what do you get sued for in that situation? <laughs> well, we all sales were final. I mean, the majority of the time they were like, okay, I can't come back in, but can I have my money back? Oh, I see. Okay. All sales are final. Yeah. I'm getting a lawyer. I didn't go to knock yourself out. Yeah. And they probably, that, that's probably written on, on like, you know, all sales final. Get, yeah, 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 exactly. That's wild, man. Um, it was definitely the most interesting job I've ever had. And we did everything musically. We did, a lot of hippie jam bands. We did a lot of white boy reggae, but we did all kinds of hip hop. We did country. We did, I, I did countless shows where the only adults were parents and there were 600 15 year old girls in there. Yep. What was the, capa the capacity of that place? Six, 650, right? 690, 690. Technically we'd sell 700. That was, that was one yeah. of my first shows. I think I was, I was 15 years old. I went to go see the hot, hot heat. Nice. Oh yeah. And I, you remember I, that one? I remember the name. Remember yeah. the name? Yeah. And I was yeah, I was like 15 years old at that show. Um, there were like there were nights where I had four parents at the bar having drinks, mm -hmm. and 600 16-year-old girls, and their shriek was louder than the band. Yeah. Oh my! Their, Absolutely. God. Their collective shriek was louder than the band. Yeah. yeah. We did a lot of DJ EDM, um, which were those were always my. I was always more worried about those shows than anything else in just the disco drugs and dehydration. And um, my bar staff were all long timers there. Um, in fact, a lot of them were there longer than I was. Um, nobody wanted to give out free waters. And I can't really blame anybody for that. It takes time to give out free waters. It makes you zero money. So I could be selling cocktails and making money or I could be pouring free waters. Um, I always required any EDM show that free waters got given out everywhere. Only in that, if you're dehydrated and overdose in my club, I might not have a job tomorrow. So everybody's yeah. giving out free waters. Yeah. Um, there was, there were a lot of considerations depending on who it was. It was different every night. It's against that the was law. kind of the beauty of it. It's against the law too, right? Not to not to give out the water if people are, requ are requesting free water. I mean, like, like um, if I had known that back then, I might have said something about it. Um, I, I didn't know that. So a friend of mine, a friend of mine, he he went to like he actually went to bartending school and did this whole thing, and he got on his fucking high horse for a long time about all the shit that he was learning on the back end of it. And we were at a bar one night. I was one of those people that needed the free water because I had uh, partaken in some stuff. And I asked for a glass of water, and the lady's like, well, we don't do that here. And my friend literally gets in her face and like, no, 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 no. You have to give my friend water because it's fucking illegal if you don't. I will get the cops here right now. And made a fucking scene. She was like, she like rolls her eyes and gives me the water. And I was like, 
Okay, I didn't. I didn't know that was a thing. But I guess like if someone asks for free water, like you, you, you have to give it to them. Well, you're teaching me new things. Um, now I bartend a lot when I'm not playing music. I always give everybody free water. Yeah. That, like I was never the one saying no free water. But when I knew it was a show that th there were going to be a lot of drugs going on, um, I mean, I gurneyed out. I had a the EMTs inside the Freebird gurneying out a 16-year-old girl before the show ever even started. Jesus not Christ. a good look. <laughs> not a good not look. Not a good look at all. However, Was that I, the Skrillex show? Skrillex played at Freebird. Oh, really? Before he got super famous. Well, I remember that show. What was that They like? got super famous, but we already had them booked. Yeah. Like, that's it what was like, yeah, that's right. Like, everybody that's was like, how did you get Skrillex? Well, we booked him six months ago, yeah. and he hit three months ago. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I had to call the MTs. This girl was blacked out, uh, uh, seizure, I don't know. Anyways, non-responsive. Had this 16-year-old girl gurneyed out. Her two friends were like, I don't know what's wrong with her. This has never happened. She didn't do any drugs. This, that, the other. Like, I w waited for her parents to show up and talk to her parents personally. And my message was her friends are lying and they're not being very good friends right now. And your daughter's on ecstasy or some equivalent. Oh, my God. So good luck with that. So uh, your job basically was crowd control, it seems like. Um, or, or, it, or customer, it, it was, uh, customer I would love, service. Yeah, I'd love another beer customer service uh department so um like yeah um that was a lot i answered the phones a lot um but uh, you know I, I was also there anytime a repairman had to be there anytime like i i i was the jack of all trades master yeah. of none yeah i always remember when i ever played there you would always be the guy uh like you were you were behind the 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 mixing board too at least for the monitors um, I would hang out there. I wasn't exactly doing monitors or doing sound, but I, I would plant myself. Um, you know, front of house is always the best sound of course. in the room. Yeah. Like, if you're new to going to concerts, you always want to be near front of house because okay. that's where it sounds the best. Yeah. Um, I would also hang out in Monitor Beach a lot just to <laughs> get an <laughs> eye on... You know, I could see the crowd. I could see the band. But I do remember you uh, definitely doing a monitor check for me at least one time. We must have been shorthanded. Okay. <laughs> you got the B team that day. probably for a jam band night like, that's on, on a Wednesday. That's fucking work, bro. You, know I mean? I didn't, you, you definitely you got the B team that, that day if they, had, if they had me helping you with monitors. I remember. <laughs> I, do, I do remember that. Uh-huh. Well, whatever. Yeah, I miss I miss Freebird just as much as the next guy. But I sure I'm sure you did too. I remember I do. You, you played the the played the last show there too, right? No, I didn't get to play the last show there. I thought that you played with them. Um, no, I at the end. So the last show was Galactic. Yeah. yeah. Um, they I, they had JJ oh. Gray come in yeah. and play, sing with them. Um, I didn't mean to interrupt you. What were you saying? No, I, I was I I played the second to last show there. Oh, okay, right on, show. right on, right on. Um, he's had to get that in there. He couldn't yeah, help I himself. Did. I'm sorry. What an asshole. At the, <laughs> at the end of the night, after the music was over, um, I was on stage, Judy was on stage, Melody was on stage, okay. and we all got to get a hold of the microphone and say thanks for a little bit. Um, I was the idiot who high-fived the front row like 10 times. Well, I mean, at that what, point in time. Uh, what was the problem with doing that? Because he's probably. I was super excited. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. No, but why is that? Why was that a problem to high five um, ten times? 
Because you're a nerd. You don't know what's cool. That's the problem. <laughs> no, I, I, I said it was awkward because I just kept, I don't know. I didn't know what to do, really. Yeah, that's, that's got to be a weird situation to have did, to. Did, do you, is it, is it a, 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 a sore subject to talk about why it is not Freebird anymore and now it is Surfer? Um, Oof. it was out of my hands. Um, I had, um, nothing to, obviously nothing to do with the decision. Um, I was management. I hadn't, uh, I was not ownership. Um, and I think ultimately at the end of the day, um, Judy and Melody had gotten into doing festivals at the park at Swanee and whatnot. And we're looking more towards doing bigger things. However, not, uh, seven days a week hard set schedule um and at the end of the day i think they got the offer that they were looking for of course yeah, I'm yeah. Sure they made a fucking you know event. but uh i guess you know nothing good lasts forever and god no. damn it that was the best way i guess to spend your 20s in, at the beach well, for me anyway that's, uh, what, that's what it was <laughs> it was the best way for me to spend my 30s yeah absolutely i had a great fucking and time. surfer bars just sucks we can oh, just say that oh can we say that i can say that. i'll say it i don't what, care my, my my thing that i always say about <laughs> surfer bar, like well, i'm not saying that my, my thing about surfer bar is they turn the Wait fucking they turn the fucking stage into a surf shop yeah and like yes. fucking like just the best fucking musicians ever have played there. The only times I've been at Surfer was because they paid me to play music. Yeah. <laughs> me too. Same. Like literally I, you had to pay me to get through that front door. Yeah. That's That's why a I shame. Moved, I moved over here. I was like Freebird's fucking gone. Where am I going to go? to fucking see music anymore. I'm out of here. Well, that's what happened. That's what happened. Billy didn't move here till last year. Actually, like Freebird shutting down was the reason why I came to Riverside. That's what, <laughs> happened. That's what happened. Um, you know, Tim Hall, who was the talent buyer the yeah. entire time I worked at Freebird Live, also owned Jackrabbits mm -hmm. the entire time I worked at Freebird Live. Um, Tim Hall is um, single-handedly responsible for any cool music coming to yeah, our town. He's the best. Yeah. Single-handedly responsible for it. Um, uh, back in the 80s, he was in San Diego. Yep. Yeah. Opened up a club by the name of Brick by Brick, yep. oh, which is, to this day, still open yep. as Brick by Brick doing live music yeah awesome, he, he gave us a, he was on the show a few months like maybe like six months ago now he gave us a whole rundown on it he's got some wild stories yeah. that guy tim hall <laughs> not only has wild fucking stories he's got the kind of memory that he remembers everything he does bro i well, i brought up a show that we played for him like two years ago or something and he told you how many tickets you sold yeah, and he what the bar did yeah i was like i was like i was like you put on Shows like all the time. You remember you remember our show from like two years ago or so? He remembers it's, every show like that. <laughs> no, so bro. Wild. He's been doing this since the eighties. I can't imagine how many thousands of shows he's done, but yeah, every okay. time we had a band at the Freebird that we had had previously that Tim had ever done business with before, I could count on being I don't remember I could count on being able to say, I don't remember the what happened the last time they were here. And Tim would quote me how many tickets we did yeah. tim would quote me how much money we did behind the bar and then recommend how many bartenders i should have for that and he's it, a national treasure and it probably didn't Without even see, it, absolutely it, it probably we didn't even, you, 
It probably didn't even seem like he had to like ser- like search for the information in his no, head. No, no. He just like sp- just boom nonchalantly was. was just boom, like here it was. is. Yeah, yeah. It's, he's he's something else, man. But it's yeah, those, it's uh, those baseball fans that know all those fucking stats. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, it's that type of person. They're just like they know. I bet he fucking knows Manny Machado's fucking uh, RBI average for the fucking past six years. <laughs> yes. Ready to go. Yes. And Tim Hall is a very big baseball fan. And that's from San Diego. I'm, yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. That's wild, <laughs> yeah. man. So I'm curious. So we every time we get somebody who's been involved in the back end of stuff, I always like to ask about the riders and the crazy riders that you had to fulfill. <laughs> that shit cracks me yeah, up, man. Best. Um, you saw the, the the one rider that really kind of chapped my ass. You watched one of them last night. I'm not gonna get into names. Um, this was before. Oh. This was before there were, like, health food stores everywhere. Um, This was before there was uh, um, uh, Whole Foods at the beach and and all that. Um, I, not in addition to several bottles of organic red wine, um, I had to find an eight-ounce jar of organic tahini. Like the Greek sauce? Um... No, that's tzatziki. That's tzatziki. He's from Kentucky. I apologize. Born raised. Want to fight about it? (laughs) Tahini's a little farther east. Okay, right. Um, (laughs) The only thing I know that tahini goes in is hummus, and it's like the littlest amount. Um, But we busted our balls looking for this shit all over town for hours. Um, And uh, it seemed a little over the top to me out of out of like five stars how like famous was this band that asked for something so minuscule well like you just that? said i saw one of them last night but um, you already i would them say of stars. i would say three and a half four stars wow out of what out of five out of five out of five, out of five? Yeah. okay wow um i mean everybody knows his name do they you know could you could you could everybody say 10 songs probably not i know i couldn't are they are are, uh, they, are they from New Orleans? I don't even know. Oh, I then, could, pro- then I didn't say for sure. Okay, it's definitely the other person I was thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> he might have played keys last night. <laughs> there it is. Uh, Burt Reynolds? Um, no, shh. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Lonnie Anderson was out there watching. The fucking bandit. <laughs> <laughs> Funny story. The very same day, um, I had been running around looking for the tahini. Um, One of the things that Judy liked to do at the Freebird um, was when there were bigger bands come through, we would provide lunch for the crew. That's nice. We were already shopping for the band's rider, but we would provide lunch for the crew. Um, And uh, a lot of times we'd end up at Surfside. Um, at the beach, mm-hmm. great, great Philly cheesesteaks. In addition to all the seafood, they worked with us really well. They would individualize each order, write everybody's name on it, make it really, really easy. Um, anyways, very same day, I went and picked up a very large order, brought it back to the Freebird, and I realized I'd forgotten Judy's sweet tea. Can't do that. Nope. Turned around, went right back. Got her sweet tea, brought it back. Came back and I'm looking for my Philly cheesesteak. Can't find it anywhere. 
And lo and behold, bass player from the bands at the end of the bar, after they asked for all this fucking organic vegetarian shit, eating my processed American cheese Philly cheesesteak that clearly had my name written on it. Oh, my God. I've had issues for a long time over that. Really? Would you say something to him? No, I let it ride, but I've, I've told the story a lot. Yeah. Wait, that was the same band that ordered the Tahiti? Oh, Ooh. which is why I was that upset. I was Ooh. like, y'all are really concerned about your diet. The ate my American cheese. <laughs> my processed American cheese Philly cheesesteak. Yeah. And I'm starving, dude. That's like, have you ever seen Man, Man on the Moon before with Jim Carrey? Yeah, I have or, not. Uh, uh, you see it. But like the, the, the guy comes out, his like um, uh, person that he's trying to. Andy Kaufman. Andy yeah. Kaufman, but he has like a character. Oh, okay. The other character that he plays. He had yeah. many characters. Right, yes. but, but the, the one that was like a lounge singer in Vegas, you know what I mean? Oh, right, yeah, right, yeah, right. I can't think of his name right yeah, now. Yeah, I can't think of it either. But anyways, he would go like this. He'd be like, uh, somebody would come on stage and be like, we need everybody to put out their cigarettes. Our, uh, uh, it's I think his name is Tony, actually. I don't, it's like it's, it's Tony Hinchcliffe, I think. Yeah, oh, yeah, Tony, Tony Hinchcliffe. Hinchcliffe. Tony Hinchcliffe. And so it's like, Tony Hinchcliffe cannot stand cigarette smoking at all. Everybody put out your cigarettes, and they'd make them put out the cigarettes. And then he'd come out here just fucking smoking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly like that. Yeah. But yep. he, he Hinchcliffe you. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Is that, are you pointing that totally. term now? I don't think I came out with it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you want to give it to me. Man, that's what that's that's just a sad thing though to have to like confront that situation. I let it go, that, dude. I went across the street and got some shitty pizza. But um, from where? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember the name of the place anymore. Um, but you know, you got to pick and choose your battles, and I certainly wasn't gonna be a dick to the talent. Yeah. Whether or not he was being a dick to me. That's just it's just it's just sad to have to like to see somebody that you respect on that level. I mean, I don't know where your level of respect uh for him was before, but I that dude to me is like one of the greatest. And I'm just like, man, that what? sucks to, to have oh, to Oh, uh, like greatest. I thought you meant greatest for doing what he did. No, no, no. No, 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 not at all. That's a terrible thing to do. One, That's what I'm one saying. One of the lessons I learned quickly was that unless the talent wanted to talk to me, I made zero attempt to talk to the talent. Mm. Like, is that is that a typical thing? You'll, you'll ha, having been on that side of it when you played other places. Is that something that you usually see, or do you usually see that you have to speak to the GM right away or a manager right away? Um, well, at the Freebird, the like if it was a band I was into or whatever, they all had tour managers that handled all the communication. Yeah, like like the band didn't have to speak for themselves; they had hired somebody to do that. Right. So I wasn't seeking out photo ops, or in fact, I don't have a single photo with a single artist from the Freebird. Wow. Um. It, Heaven forbid you find out that that the guy whose music you hold in high esteem isn't somebody you'd personally hold in high oh, esteem. Oh, never met your heroes. Everybody it, knows that. Yeah, yeah. So I, I learned very quickly that if they didn't talk to me, I didn't talk to them. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Speaking of lessons that you that, that you learned working at Freebird, uh, I'm curious. You, you know, there's this there's this dynamic you see a lot out, especially on social media these days, where people are like. You know, pay, you got to pay your bands, you got to do this, you got to do that, and uh, how bands are being taken advantage of constantly, which is true in a lot of situations. But I feel like there's a lot of misunderstanding of how a venue like that works versus how maybe like a bar works. And I think that uh, were, were there things that you maybe had a preconceived notion about having been on, on the band side of it 
working at a, going to work at a place like that and then maybe working there shifted your perspective a bit? Um, absolutely, 100%. Um, I, uh, first off, um, venues work really hard to put on a show. Um, a lot of overhead. A lot of overhead, um, uh, uh, a lot of running around. Um, you never, ever, ever want to be rude to your sound guy. Yeah, Period. that's for sure. He makes or breaks you. Um, I watched... Uh, you want to be respectful. You want to say thank you. You want to uh, mind your manners. You want to be professional on stage during sound checks. You want to pay attention. Like, um, more often than not, the going statement around was, if they don't care, I don't care. Yeah. Um you want to go in there and and make it known that it's important that you get the best out of the situation and that you're there like in your head you're there you're paying attention um you don't want to run these people around the last guy on earth you want to upset with you is your sound guy uh, yeah that, for that sure should be 101 mm -hmm. he holds the keys to the castle or or she because we're 2021 right they or they, because we're twenty twenty one. Whatever, you, whatever you guys. Sound are. person. Sound, sound person. person. Or not. And sound. <laughs> yeah. Sound being. Sound. <laughs> sound entity. Sound entity. <laughs> one of these days, I'll be a sound being. Sound yeah. Being. Uh, uh, I can only ever, hope anyway. Have you ever, have you ever had a, sound. Uh, yeah. a fucking bad sound guy? Like, I'm sorry, not a bad sound guy, because you, you'll have like a really nice sound guy that just sucks with what he's doing. Sound, sound being. Uh, sound uh, being. <laughs> but at the same time, like I, I've had somebody, just. Just be a dick the whole time, and like well, some, a lot of them are just cranky. You know what I mean? Nah, I mean oh, like, there is that stereotypical older, yep, cranky older. sound guy. Yeah, Les Targonsky. I'm not maybe sort of talking about you. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it happens, man. And I agree with you 100. percent I'm just saying there's there's like a one percent chance where like. And you still have to be nice to him. No, otherwise. you 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 gotta be if, the nicest if, to that person. If he is mixing sure. your sound, yeah. you have to <laughs> communicate clearly. Yeah. And if it comes to a point where you have to stand up for yourself, stand up for yourself, as far as like in a functionality and a procedural sort of way. No, I'd prefer it go this way than that way. But you always want to do it with the most respect you could possibly give. These people work hard, and how sound guys know their room better than your sound guy yeah, yeah. totally uh there but there's so th that's definitely true there's i watched our house sound guy mix the pants off of many a touring sound guys Ooh. with the opening act so, opening act sounded better many 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 nights so i i there was a a few incidences over the years i've had where uh you get either sound guys that are new or maybe that have a different perspective maybe have not i don't know maybe just don't know how to mix a band or whatever it might be but i remember one time we were playing it was uh when i was still living down south i was playing with this band and we were doing uh, like an outdoor kind of festival situation it was uh, like a big band shell or whatever and uh the guy was like hey uh can you turn your amp down and i was like okay and he was like can you turn it down more i'm like bro we're playing outside this is a 30 watt amp and I'm at like one right now. I was like, no, you, but I'm going to put it all through the house. I'm like, okay, but you don't realize that I need 
so, like like I need to turn up to volume, a certain volume to volume get my tone, tone yeah. exactly. And then, but I'll just turn it down more. So I so I was you know what I'm gonna prove you wrong. I turned it as I turned it down to like half of one, right? And my my the band leader at the time was like, "What are you fucking doing? Like turn up." He was like, "He's telling me to turn down." Everyone in the crowd's like, "We can't we can't hear you." I'm just like, "See, because and now you're the fucking asshole, bro." Because you just like you and the same shit happened. Not the guy who did something super passive aggressive, but. Yeah, the sound guy was the oh, asshole. Yeah, I was being passive aggressive <laughs> because I was trying to tell him what I I, I I was already explaining to him what I wanted to do, and he rejected it. So I was like, okay, well then I'll, I'll we'll try your way, and we're, we're just gonna watch you fail because this is I don't care about this gig. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, from watching it happen at the Freebird, um, you can always turn your amp around. Around, to yeah. Face the back for yeah, sure. I've um, I, I've seen. People turn their amps around backwards. I've seen them turn their amps around backwards and then push it all the way against the very back wall. Yeah. Um, Y'all familiar with Junior Brown? Yes, I love Junior Brown. Um, Junior Brown, you need to check him out. Um, He doesn't like guitar players. He, well, then never mind. I love Um, him. What are you talking about? But he would turn his Fender tube amp all the way up to 10, put a microphone in front of the face, and then wrap sound blankets over it. Oh, wow. Like, it's all about the tone, but you don't want to rip anybody's face off. Yeah. Um, there are other ways to get around that if you're looking for the tone. You can turn your amp around. For sure. You can cover it with a sound blanket, get your tone and not. But in a festival situation, it's throw and go. It's not like you had a sound check before doors open. Yeah, exactly. To discuss this, it's yeah. throw and go. You kind of have to go with what they're dictating. Yeah, it's it's just like I'm I don't even play that loud to begin with. So it's like I just like to get my uh I just want to have like some oomph, you know, like you said like just get that tone you going. To just start breaking up a little exactly, bit. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, that shit pissed me what off. What are you playing these days? I play a 68 custom uh like a reverb Fender reverb deluxe. So you um, definitely want to get a little volume on that. I need at least to be at, at a four or five. If I'm playing outdoor, five, six. If I'm playing inside, if I'm playing at 1904, I'll keep it right around four, four and a half. Um, if, I, if I'm playing outside, it needs to be at like five or, yeah. or six, you know. Yeah. Um, so weird how y'all have volume knobs that only go to 10. You know what it is for uh, uh, keyboard? Like 100? 127 yeah. is, is max. Yeah. That's weird though, right? Yeah, I just was digital versus you know every every knob on a keyboard is zero to one twenty seven. Why one twenty seven? I don't fucking know. But really? That's, that's what it is. Yeah. I guess because they like just like how uh, uh, Fahrenheit was invented, they wanted like more numbers to get it like super precise. I see. What are you playing these days? Um, the same Hot Rod Deluxe I've been playing for twenty some years. I love those amps, man. What's that? Uh, it's, it's a Fender, Fender tube amp with one twelve inch speaker in it. So it's a little guy. It's forty watts, right? Uh, I'd have to Google. Yeah, it's I think they're like forty watts. They're like it's not like so you have like a Blues Junior, which is like one I think ten inch speaker, um, and then you have which is like fifteen watts, and you have uh, what I have, which is the Blues Deluxe, uh, the, 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 or sorry, the Deluxe Reverb, which is like one twelve, but it's only like twenty two watts, and then you have like the Hot Rod Deluxe, which is forty watts, one twelve, and then oh, so you've got bigger. the Hot Rod Deville, Deville which is four tens, yep. yeah, 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 and then so just and then which is like I think fifty watts or something like that, but and it then looks the same as yours. No, his is more square. Mine's more of a rectangle. Oh, but it's black and has a gray. But his black. and his, exactly. okay. but like every so other. also so your all your controls are on the top, whereas uh-huh. mine are on, on the, the front. 
On the fr- okay, uh, yeah, yeah, all yeah. my controls are on the top for sure. Yeah. Um, and for me to get mine up past four, we better be outside. Oh yeah, yeah, that shit's we loud as shit. We better be outside. That, that's why. That's so I, I actually sold mine to, to buy the one that I have now. Is I had a hot a hot rod deluxe for years and I yeah. loved it. Um, but when I, when I, when I, when I moved here and I was kind of starting from scratch again, I was playing a lot of like smaller venues and stuff and I just didn't need it. And the 22 watt custom deluxe reverb was like perfect for me. So I got that instead. Do y'all guitar players, do you you look at people that have like these like weird, like crazy heads and uh, speaker cabinets, like as just like, you don't you don't know how to play guitar. It depends on the situation. But there's a lot of great players. In my in my case, there's a lot of great players. Like it's just how I view it. There's a lot of great players that have a lot of custom amps because they get endorsements and they do shit like that. But if you're talking about like like people that that that, that are just coming out of fucking nowhere yeah. with the shit that walk. If if I'm at a jam and I see somebody walk in with a five thousand dollar guitar and their amp that costs them three thousand yeah, dollars, yeah, yeah. uh, I can almost for sure say that ninety nine percent of the time they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Okay, because so otherwise, it would have brought thing. all that to a jam. Right, right. right? It, well, it's like to jam, the blues lawyers and the blues doctors. That's the <laughs> yeah. shit right there. They probably also have Harley Davidson's. They don't ride. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> my, my favorite thing is uh, uh, when I went to OBJ, I got to see him in person. The new keyboardist. Now, Mark's still in the band, he's, and he's, you're the best keyboardist. In What's Florida. the band? Uh, uh, Java. Oh, Java. Okay. They, they have a new person. He plays guitar and also plays piano. But he has a, a Nord. I'm pretty sure it's either a stage or an electro like mine is, or it could be a wave. Uh, but it's the biggest fucking inside joke. And nobody else, I would said this joke like a hundred times to people and nobody got it. But he got a fucking Casio bumper sticker and just put it over the Nord. That's, and that's so fucking funny. That's awesome. But most people are just like. Well, because Casio is supposed to be like a shitty brand, right? It's not shitty. It's just the cheapest. Yeah. And Casio, I mean. Just like Yamaha, and I'm not talking shit about Yamaha by any means, but like, they they make watches and motorcycles yeah, and like yeah. all this other stuff. Yeah. So, uh, uh, and, but then Yamaha also makes like the best like grand pianos in in the world. So. They make they they make uh, they used to make really nice guitars too. They're kind yeah, of they they're kind of back on the come up with that, but for a long time. They're Casio. Casio. Casio's yeah. like what you would be playing. There's no like there's no like five. Three thousand dollar Casios. Oh, uh, I wouldn't. Which wouldn't is what that. he was playing on. But it was God. That that guy, kids. Of, whatever your name is, you're, you're fucking genius for doing that. The, yeah, man. I, I but I, I feel what you're saying though about like the gear like that. There's yeah. just there's just there's some. That gear. was like a statement. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm bringing. It, it looks like I'm bringing this fucking shitty. Like just make it look shitty and then play the shit out of it because you look like even more of a badass if like you you like how Jack White. Uh, not trying to say by any means his best guitars of all time. Because he's, you know, he's not. But would he played a fucking plastic guitar in the White Stripes for three years? Yeah. And like, just, just, I mean, not destroy, but uh, he did what he, he he does what he does, you know, and it, it works. I just, I, 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 I like that kind of show where you're like, oh yeah, like, I'm gonna fucking, <laughs> I don't give a fuck about what. So there, so there's, I have. there's, there's some people that it, what's very impressive is when people have shitty gear and they make it sound good and i've seen guys right, like, yeah. like when i worked at guitar center this one dude walks in and he picks up like this old like squire acoustic guitar which squire is like 
the bottom of the barrel. Okay, as far as like, especially there. What about bottom of the bill? You could have brought it all home. <laughs> Squires at the bottom of the bill, but that wouldn't be true though because that's like the most popular like off-brand brand that you can get. Wait, doesn't so, Fender make that? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. It's so, like a Gibson Epiphone. Yeah. Oh, okay. And that's a cheap version of it? It's a cheaper yeah. version. I'm so, learning a lot today. So so <laughs> this dude walks in. So All the stuff you never cared about. Yeah. I, I just play guitar. I'll never know. So we're, so we're talking about people, again, kind of on the topic of people that – so the opposite end of it where bad players have good gear. This is good players using bad gear. And this dude walks in while I was working at Sam Ash. He picks up a, squ- a Squire acoustic guitar. This is like the guitar that comes with the starter acoustic packs, with like the, the, the gig bag and the, and the, the stand. Yeah, the strap. strap. Yeah. Actually, these yeah. are like, these guitars are, I mean, like a step above, like, I don't know, fucking particle board. You know what I mean? <laughs> They're and almost unplayable. Yeah, totally. This like, dude, like action like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Almost unplayable. This dude plugs it into a line, like a, like a line six, like a spider line six and puts on the clean channel and just starts fucking around like these really cool like kind of uh uh delta blues kind of licks and i was like you you like i'm the salesman here you made me want to buy this rig right you know what i mean that like that kind of shit like so it's just it, it, it it's that that moment showed me that it's really not about the gear that you have. It's really about what no. you can do as a player. I mean, the best analogy but, but, is... In your guys' case with the keyboards, yeah. though, it, it, it really... Ha- the gear is so much about that, though. Because the sounds like can't come from the... I mean, like, yeah, the way that you play definitely has something to do with it. See, we're, now, talk, now, we're, we're talking more sounds. about electronics. Yeah, we're talking yeah, about... Yeah. yeah. Now you sound stupid. Well, no, no. If, <laughs> no, no. Of course... <laughs> Of, of course, like the way that you play, yeah. is, but but like the, but you can't make a synth sound like something different, though. You what know what I mean? I'm just saying that like the the you sounds can't. Oh, okay, be, be done. done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't tell him he can't be done. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're the definitely well, you're, you're well, definitely also, not gonna be able to do it I'm though, also right? I'm pretty sure <laughs> you you've definitely got a Nord in your rig. Of course I do. I yeah, yeah. Well, no, I mean, I wasn't, I, of course I. Yeah, do. that's what I'm I saying. Like, of course we have Fender two bands. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, because okay, yeah, 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 yeah. No, for sure. I mean, but yeah, I I feel like the the bottom line of keyboards. There's way more shitty keyboards than there are shitty guitars. Oh, I don't know about I that. I don't know bro. about that either. Because um, you gotta gotta be thinking about like all like, uh, what's the cheapest guitar you can buy? A Squire acoustic. And how much is that? Cost? Or maybe like maybe maybe I'm like sure a, there, like, I'm sure you could go to George's Music right now, which isn't the cheapest place to buy stuff, and get a ninety nine dollar special really? Fender Squire acoustic. Oh yeah, with no, uh, no cutaway or anything. Yeah, um, or like a Rogue, no acoustic. electronics or anything. First um, act from Walmart. Yeah, oh. that shit. Yeah, that's, Sam's Club has their own version. Of yeah. It. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I think that's what I got out like there. Like fifty actually. bucks type shit. Yeah, I'm just trying to say like the those yeah those keyboards and everything like that. They're they're not meant to make sounds on. But 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 so, so, so let me, let me and rephrase. Only do those sounds that come with it. Let me rephrase my but statement. You, can you make that sound good, or can, can can an amazing player make those things outside of playing cool shit? Can they actually make it sound good? No, no. That's <laughs> that's what I'm trying to say. Is that like like this All dude right, made I, a shitty guitar? Through a shitty amp, yeah. sound, sound good. good. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Because like they, they for the past ten years they've been selling that keyboard cat 
with the smiley face Cheshire cat that you could buy is only still twenty five dollars. Yeah. You can't make that sound good. No. <laughs> yeah. And I don't care how good you are at piano, that's a fucking polyphonic instrument that maybe gets you four notes at a time. Yeah. You got ten fingers. You're not, <laughs> you're not playing fucking rock Monanop on a fucking keyboard. Yeah, yet. yeah. That, so that was that was my it. only point. Yeah. No, all I'm trying to say is like. So you now know, you sound stupid again, right? No, you're so stupid. <laughs> yeah. And I've never said that I didn't sound stupid. Yeah, well, that, that'd be a fact. But I, I just think that yeah, uh, uh, I think that there's more, more pianos than guitars. That's a good. That's a good thought. Like uh, more you, brands of pianos? No, no, no. I just mean like okay, like the like. You've got like these like high end pianos and everything like that, but like then you have just like this like bullshit fucking piano lines, like an insane same amount. With, same with guitars though. Like the, that's what I'm trying to say. I yeah, think yeah. that there's there's but, more keyboards. No, no, there's more there's more guitars. I don't think so. I can guarantee you that. I okay. There are so many like bullshit brands out there. There's are you, there's so many bullshit piano brands. I think there's something for everyone out there with guitars. Um, I think there are guitars that are made specifically for metal music. There are yeah. guitars that are made for specifically for jazz. There are yeah. guitars that are made for general rock and roll. Um, I, I I don't know that like a piano is built with jazz in mind or. I, like I could it, be like, wrong. Like, I'm ignorant. That's just what I'm trying to say. Like a fucking like until you start build like spending at least like at least you get like a real piano. Like, yeah, that, that's it's the whole, same with guitars though. Too. All, like, you, you, you can't no spend jazz piano. There's no like that's you know, what he was but just saying. There are jazz guitars. Right, I understand yeah, yeah. that. But but also like in order it, like like for a guitar, if you want to get like a real like like if you want to have a nice guitar, you have to start spending upwards of a thousand dollars to yeah. get that. You know what I mean? Oh no, without a doubt, pianos are a, a thousand more percent more expensive if you want to buy a nice piano. Yeah. Fucking Steinway costs a hundred grand. No fucking Gibson to cost that much. That, that's not actually not true though. I'm sure there are plenty of Gibsons that there. cost that much. But it's not going to, it's not going to be as good but as a they fucking don't cost Steinway. You know but what they I mean? don't cost that much brand new. Yeah. That's They're, what yeah, I'm trying to say. They got to be like used old one, yeah. and fucking somebody touched like it with a or something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, all right. Anyways. Yeah. Um, so talk. how, with Tony, <laughs> <laughs> I hate it when you call me that so much. Tony. Um, so I'm curious as to going back to the dynamic of like the, the how how venues and bands can sometimes feel like they're they're uh, at odds. They're at odds with each other. Yeah. So what are situations that you can kind of maybe help with like younger bands that are coming up inform them on maybe like the venue's not trying to take advantage of you on this kind of thing and to, and then on the back end of that like times where there are red flags where you know that for sure right there is bullshit definitely don't do that um so um you know before i got into playing venue venues um you know i did a lot of bars yeah um bars have built-in clientele bars have food menus and bars have uh, overall vibe uh, to them right um and people people aren't always coming out specifically to see your band um, and a lot of situations you end up with a guarantee, be it $400 a night, $500 a night, this, that, the other. Um, one of the big things that I saw happen as smaller local bands came through the Freebird, um, where they were used to getting $500 a night at Sundog Diner, 
they'd come in and they would take what's known as a door deal and up and coming bands if you get a door deal that means you have to bring people to get paid yep a door deal is a percentage of sales at the door so when you play when local bands would play the freebird and bring 15 people in five of them were on the guest list and they're mad that they're walking out of there with thirty dollars we're not a bar and restaurant we're a live music venue and the only reason people are here tonight are for your band so promote 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 do your legwork bring people to a door deal or understand that if you throw up a goose egg you're not getting paid right right um that being said if you get a guarantee don't ever let anybody pay you anything other than what they guaranteed you. Right. Unless it's more than that. Um, unless it's more <laughs> yeah. than that. Um, but I've been in situations and worked with people uh, where we had a, an agreement going into it. And then at the end of the night, it was different. And you got to stand up for yourself you at that point. Take your chest out a little bit. Um, you have to. You have to accept it. You, you can't accept anything less than what was agreed upon. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're going to be taken for granted or taken advantage of by that person for the next 30 fucking years. Yeah, um, for sure. You got to. Um, and there's all kinds of deals out there. There's door deals. There's percentages. There's um, there's guarantees with bonuses on the end. There's all kind of deals. You got to be very acutely aware of the deal you have per night and promote it accordingly yeah how do you enforce a deal how do you how do you be like now this deal's going down uh donald trump wrote a really good book on it <laughs> <That's the laughs> right. i wasn't trying to ask i haven't read that i'm not trying to write a deal i'm trying to say it in the night fucking you're packing up your stuff and then homeboy comes up to you being like "Ooh, sorry you have contracts we usually and if they, as much money and then you got to be like what do you do? Sometimes you got to eat it. Well, it all depends on what kind of, it all depends on what these people like. You got to think future. Yeah. You got to think, well, do I ever intend on coming back to this place again? <laughs> Not first yeah. and sure foremost, like am I ever playing here again? Yeah. And if you are, you want to take that into consideration. <laughs> and if you really want to play there again, yeah, you want to work with people and, and it's, it's all math, but nothing's ever perfect. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, totally, you man. You got to take into consideration. I mean, ultimately, it's what, what kind of work history do you want to have with, with the people you're working with? Have you ever tasted heaven in a glass? Do you pine for the hoppiest brews and palest ales? Do you like food? If so, then Wicked Barley is the oasis that your mouth has been wishing for, walking into the complete barren wasteland that is your life. Wicked Barley is located in Jacksonville, Florida, nestled on the banks of Goodbeast Creek. Wicked Barley aims to provide its guests with a wicked experience, offering over 18 house-brewed beers, ciders, and meats on tap. They also have an expansive gastropub-style food menu, including burgers, salads, sandwiches, and more. Whether you are a newcomer or a craft beer connoisseur, there's a little something for everyone at Wicked Barley. Visit them at 4100 Bay Meadows Drive and tell them Bottom of the Bill sent you. 
I've there's been plenty of times where where where, where I gauge I gauge the situation. I'm just like, you know what? No, like, I need to get paid for this. And if you don't, then I'm just done working here. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes you have to take the hit on it. Like you don't have like at a certain like, up until a certain point, like you don't have like you can't afford to get lawyers to to try and get you a couple hundred dollars I mean, that's on a gig. Small claims court. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. It's like it's stupid. I mean, you lie for that. Yeah, but like, but also, like, it's just it's not even worth it to to do it. The, the, the amount of time. Yeah. Okay. Who's well, got a lot of free time? Billy does. I don't have a lot Billy of Billy works time. a shitty job that requires almost nothing of him. <laughs> so. But I don't have to eat pop tarts for dinner every night. That's true. That's Neither awesome. Do I. <laughs> I haven't eaten a pop tart in like ten years at least, so yeah. I'm good. All right. Um. Gotta get sick eating egg whites. I didn't get sick. I was just hungry again afterwards. Because that's what happens when you eat egg whites. And that was like three years ago. Give I've me a break. i got a fucking iron stomach, man. I can eat anything. Yeah. Is I there any protein stuff. in an egg white? That's all protein. It's all protein, yeah. I thought the yolk was all protein. The yolk, the yolk is no, all... It, there's uh, protein in that, too, but it's got a lot of uh, calories in it. But yeah. egg white is just like fucking... Yeah, straight protein. Yeah, straight protein. Um, oh, the yolk has a lot of cholesterol. That's why they, they, they take the, the yolk out. Isn't that bad for you? Yeah. It's as long as you just like, like everything else in moderation. Start a health you know? podcast. Start a health podcast. <laughs> just, just as we say, we're drinking our whiskey and probably smoke cigarettes after this and beer, I'm ready and for a uh, now. we're gonna sit here and talk about you smoke fucking beer. Health. Do you smoke hops? I smoke hops, bro. <laughs> Put that shit <laughs> in a fucking bowl. Do y'all know how <laughs> genetically close hops is to That's, marijuana? I know. It's crazy. It's it like, like one it. or two chromosomes different. Like, really? Oh, dude. He's just a couple chromosomes off, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that no, literally, good. hops is very, good. very, very closely related to marijuana. It looks just I didn't like, know that. It, it looks just like it a does look. Yeah, it does look like a That's nug. That's because... That. It's so closely related. Yes. Okay. But you can't smoke it and get high. That I don't know. You never smoked beer before? (laughs) Smoke hops? Um, Are you kidding me? So, uh, getting fucking drunk and high at the same time? This is great. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, (laughs) getting drunk and high at the same time. Yeah, smoking hops. After your tenure (laughs) at uh, Freebird, when did you start Bonnie Blue? Were were you working? Um, I started, I was working. um, So, my first band fizzled out. Um, It was. And I'm sure both of you can relate to this, and anybody who plays music can uh, watching this can relate to this. That um, it was a revolving door of musicians. Yeah. Um, as soon as we had one guy worked up, another guy quit. It was constantly the lineup was changing, yeah. which really holds a band back totally. from growing, from you know increasing their volume of material. Um, but we just kind of fizzled out. Um, revolving door. Um, I ended up starting Bonnie Blue uh, a few years into working at the Freebird, um, and having a band and working at the Freebird came with some perks. Yeah, of course. Um, we rehearsed at the Freebird. Yeah. Um, Freebird wasn't open seven nights a week. I had my pick of nights to rehearse at the Freebird, which was really cool. Which also gave a level of credibility. I was able to attract musicians that I might not have been able to attract previously. Right. Um, but I put Bonnie Blue together while working at the Freebird. Um, Shane Platten was my first bass player. Uh, Michael Richardson, who I spoke about earlier, that helped me decide that I wanted to actually pursue playing music live, um, was part of it. John Wilson, who's currently playing keys with me now, 
Um, uh, uh, nope, that's not true. Hold on. John was in my first band. Eric Brigman was the first okay. piano player I got into Bonnie Blue, um, who went on to play with Donovan Frankenreiter. J.J. Gray. Now with J.J. Gray. Um, and Jeremy Mayer um, was on drums. And we messed around with that for a few years. Um, I was super busy with work. Shane was super busy with his four or five other projects. There wasn't a ton of availability. We didn't play a lot. Um, however, I was working up original material this whole time. I'm writing by myself for the first time in my life. Um, got to a point where Shane was playing a gig with one of his other projects at the Freebird. And I think he was feeling personally responsible for the fact that we weren't playing much. It wasn't ever his personal responsibility. Um, but I think he was feeling a little guilty. And he, he, he basically said, Brad, if you want bass player recommendations, I'll give you bass player recommendations. Um, I happened to run into Adam Kennaway the very next night at the Freebird. Um, spoke to Adam. Adam actually had just been fired from Squeedlepuss and threw his name out there as oh, if you ever need me. And I was like, well, actually, I'm thinking about making some changes. And Adam did the right thing and said, well, Shane has my number. Make sure you get my number from your current bass player. Oh, nice. Which was cool. Yeah. Right. And not knowing Shane had already offered to give recommendations. Um, and I was keeping Jeremy. I knew Jeremy was my drummer. Um, I'd been wanting to call John Wilson back for a long time at this point. Hat never really made it happen, but I knew John was the guy I wanted to call for keys. Um, classical degree from UNF, uh, just amazing. And not only that, he's written more original music than I'll ever come close to, ever. Like, he churns it out. Um, like, at one point he looked at me and said, man, I have to finish the bad songs I might have something good coming up after that. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's that kind of That's writer. That's awesome, man. Um, which is completely alien to me. I, I don't have to force it, but I find that when I start forcing it, it doesn't work. Yeah, so you got to strike when the iron's hot kind uh, of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm totally that guy. Yeah. Um, but Willis Gore. Um, I, the first time I ever saw Willis, heard Willis play um, his first band, Soul Gravy. Not, uh, no, not his first band. The band he was in before Bonnie Blue. How do you feel about the name, Soul Gravy, with the genre and the... Anyways, they were fantastic. And ultimately, it's not a bad name in that it lends itself to... You know, gravy is a very southern thing. Yeah. Um, when Willis is in your band, you are undeniably more southern than you were before. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's a good thing. He's probably the most southern dude I've ever met in my life. But to be fair, I'm from South Florida, which we don't have a lot of southern people. You're the so. most southern person I've ever met. Yeah. <laughs> Geographically. From fucking yeah. 2305 yeah. over here. Um, but the first time I saw Willis play was at the Freebird. Um, he was one of probably three or four bands that night. And. Um, I don't remember there being a very much of a big crowd. I don't remember having a lot to do. I remember actually having my significant other there that night. It was like date night at work or whatever. And uh, they came out 
killed first song, came out, killed second song. Song three was a Derek and the Dominoes cover, Any Day. And he got like two measures into that song. And I realized that I had to play music with Willis. <laughs> um, and I'm sure any thousands of other musicians would have felt the same way. Yeah. Um, but I knew I had to play music with him. And I turned to my significant other and said, how the fuck do I poach him out of this band? Yeah. Um, I didn't try to poach him. I did make a relationship. We were friends on Facebook, this, that, the other. And a year or so later, Shane was bowing out recommending and it all just kind of coincided um where soul gravy had just broken up and um willis was ready to go and while jeremy didn't remain our drummer the entire time we've played with several drummers this is the longest i've ever played with a core group of musicians in my life um we're over six years deep and that's like five and a half years longer than I've played with the same amount of people prior to yeah, this. Yeah, it's, yeah, man. Um, it has enabled us to get tighter or to communicate better. Um, even if it's like, when I hear that, I know we're going there. Um, it's not even necessarily verbal communication as sure. much as it's musical communication. And I'm just extremely grateful that they still want me playing. Um, it's uh, been the coolest thing I've ever been a part of. Yeah, you guys are an amazing band, honestly. Well, yeah, thank you very much. Yeah. Um, I was, thank you very, very, very much. Um, that energy on stage is just it's 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 very it's powerful, man. You guys have you guys have something special for sure. I don't think it could be that if we rotated members out. Definitely wouldn't that be, would be yeah. or even without any w one particular I think I think I would be the easiest replaced in the band. I'm mostly rhythm, you know. Well, that plays an important role though, rhythm. And you write songs too, right? I do. Oh, I absolutely. Yeah. As, as a matter of fact, I was able to attract this lineup of the band because I had a handful of five original songs and I was selling the project as an original band. Yeah. I like it. I, I wouldn't have been able to get any of them if it, Oh, you just want to start a cover band with me, fellas. That, that wouldn't happen. Yeah. That, that's, that's, that's kind of how it works, man. I'm, I'm kind of in a, in a similar boat where I'm not like, uh, you want to start a band where I'm not this, uh, phenomenal, I want to start five more. I start yeah, five I'm not like a phenomenal musician by any means, but like, yeah, I I can write no. some tunes and you know I, can, I have like some well, good ideas and good in good situation eh. in the right situation, and uh, and while we're making fun of me right now, <laughs> I can also say that no one in my band is like oh sorry not no one Aaron's very talented and Sean is too, but really Billy is also pretty mediocre as well. But we all play so well. Whatever together. I've heard y'all play, <laughs> I know better than that. But we all, but 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 we did. Uh, the, can't even fucking spell mediocre, dude. <laughs> yeah, I can. I'm so mediocre, I can't even spell. Oh no, I can spell it, bro. It's B I L L Y. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, because that's my that's name. That's your name. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 Um, no, no, but but we have a really good chemistry all together, and 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 I was able to write some cool tunes to get people in, interested in it. And that 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 in itself is invaluable. You know what I mean? Otherwise, you that that group of musicians can never play together and create what's actually happening. You know? Um. Yes. Um. You're right. Um. It's funny. Um. 
many, many years later, um, every once in a while, somebody would be like, well, you know, it's your band, right, Brad? And I'm like, whoa, that ship sailed a long, <laughs> long time ago. So, but I guess if I got everybody together and it was my original music, I mean, whatever. It's not my band. It's our band. Um, but um, I'm really grateful that I had the original music that was worth them sticking around. So how's your role changed in Bonnie Blue over the years? Um, it hasn't really, um, you know, uh, Willis does the vast majority of booking. Um, Willis is one of the hardest working motherfuckers I've ever met. Um, and he works just as hard for his day job as he does for the band. Um, if anybody, um, has ever looked at me and said, I think I might want this more than you do. It might be him. Really? Yeah. Willis wants us. Yeah. Bad. And he's willing to put his own money up, his own time up. He's, he's not worried about, well, if I'm putting this much in, what are you putting in? That's exactly how I am. Too, Willis yeah. is a force of nature. Um, one of the hardest working, one of the nicest, uh, genuine, most friendly given motherfuckers I've ever met. Um, it's, truly been the, one of the honors of my life to play music with Willis. This dude drank uh, well, a whole just a little a fun side note about how awesome Willis is. Uh, this we, we when he played Halloween with Melody Trucks and we were playing that same year we camped with us. This dude drank my entire bottle of Jameson and I mean like we went like we we were partying all night we were all drinking it and we all decided we were gonna go to sleep and then Willis uh like Chelsea and I wake up and we go sit down by, by whatever and Willis just walks up with our bottle of Jamo he hasn't gone to sleep yet and he's just like so oh, what's up guys I fucking drink your whole bottle my bad oh you one of those this dude's like I mean blackout by this point fucking he tries to do like a trust fall with West Westbrook and Wes is like I'm not trust falling shit and Willis goes face first in the Melody Trucks man uh, but I probably shouldn't be saying all this I'm sorry Willis but it was a really fun day uh, but either way <laughs> he also got up and destroyed destroyed at Halloween crushed destroyed this I mean sang fucking played guitar like didn't like really I mean like he was he, he nailed it bro um, he constantly um, you know uh, not so much lately, but um, we've done a lot of traveling, um, played all over the southeast, been to Colorado multiple times. Um, I've seen Willis play the set of his life multiple times when on zero to no sleep, uh, uh, like in situations where I would be less of a musician i've watched willis become more of a musician yeah. some people some people like that super they thrive on it extreme pressure yeah or just I or the lack like of caring it. It was just, you don't have the facility to care so much so you just go in there you're literally just giving them whatever energy the, the like the fundamental energy that that, that you are as a human that's what you're giving that person that's all you got you, you got no masks you got nothing there there's been multiple times where i was like oh we're gonna be piss poor today and had willis get on stage and be beyond above average and lift everybody up yeah like lift the entire band up 
up to him. Yeah, it's it, he he's he's definitely something else, man. But to, to finish that point though, after he drank our bottle of Jamo, like three months later when we played uh, a, a we played Cosmic Barley Fest with you guys. Oh, uh, you rode home with me that. Yeah, night. I rode home with you that night. That. Yeah, 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 yeah. Down Fuck, south. Fucking uh, Willis oh, yeah, brought me a there. yeah. Right. You left me there. You didn't leave me. I said I was gonna hang out for a while. Yeah, you were fucking drunk. Uh, I was drunk. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was on like, Yo, I'm a going cocktail home. of things that day. But yeah, yeah my uh, it was fucking raining. <laughs> Willis, I'm like, yeah, let's get the fuck out of Willis here. Willis brought me a fucking bottle of James. He's hey, like, Yo, what a great guy. He's like, I owe you this. And then like walks me to his to to the van and like pulls me out a bottle of Jamo. And I was like. I don't even remember. I, I didn't even remember that. So you just told me right now. He was like, "Well, here you go." Now I was like, "Are you like the best human that I know?" Because he's genuinely <laughs> one of the most generous motherfuckers I've ever met. Um, he comes from a really small town in Georgia, yeah, uh, Macintosh County, um, Darien. Um, in addition to the job he works his ass off at, in addition to all the time he puts into Bonnie Blue, which is definitely more than anybody else in Bonnie Blue puts in, um, he also is a volunteer firefighter. Good night. <laughs> no, he's also, when he's at home, has a radio and responds, is a first responder to everything that happens in town. Good for him. What? <laughs> I never would have guessed that. That's crazy. He's, totally. He's got to be. A, a fa- wait, a, does he live in Darien still? Yeah, yeah. it's a family tradition. Wow. He's got to be like a serial killer, right? Because no. like nobody is that good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, if, if you consider murdering the guitar on a regular basis a serial killer, then he definitely that is was a good. serial body killer. Counts, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was good. They don't call I, him I the Georgia the, Hammer for nothing. I might be the only fucking person that knows where actually Darien is. I've been there several times. Um, it's just south of Savannah, right? Anybody that's played with Willis, you definitely are. I used yeah. to, my ex-girlfriend used to live in Brunswick. I used to go there all the time. Um, Alright. So, um, so you guys have done a lot of touring, right? Um, I Alright. I wouldn't call it touring. Um, we travel a lot. Yeah. Um, to me, a tour is going to consist of more than three shows. Yeah. A tour is going to consist of more than one week. A tour is you're out for Two four weeks. to 12 weeks or whatever. Anything less than four weeks to me is a run. Okay. I feel that. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. You've been um, running around. We've been running around for a lot. Um, <laughs> I would I would say, um, and there's no way to fact check this, um, I would say we've easily got 500 shows under our belt. Good for you. That's awesome. I mean, How we're many over do six we years got? deep. Depends on what you're counting as shows. Like 10 or so? 20? I mean, it depends on what you're counting as shows, though, right? What do you count as shows? We were side hustle for a while playing bars around town, and we oh, switched that it over. Count. Oh, then I, I don't know. I have to go back and look at the like calendar. 20. See, no. I, don't, I don't know that a, uh, an accurate calendar exists for me to go back and look. I know uh, it's hard. I, I wish I had kept count at the beginning of like There's, how many times have I played for somebody. You know what I mean? Oh, I mean, how many show the side also have, or how many shows do you have collectively as yourself, and do I have? I've got thousands of shows under my belt. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm trying to say. I yeah. don't know how many I got either. I've got thousands for sure. As a performer. As a performer, yeah, thousands. It's gotta be somewhere out there. Yeah. For me, but 
That's awesome that you've got 500 original shows at least, like, just going I, I mean, I'm just throwing a number out there. I would think so. Um, we've played extensively um, in the southeast, um, all over Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, Alabama, Tennessee, Mississippi. Um, and then we've been out to Colorado five times. How do you guys manage that? Because I know as an independent band, it can be hard when you don't have like outside funding or like people that are, do, are you guys self-booked and self-managed? Um, when we went out to Colorado, we had someone help us with the booking um, initially. Um, and uh, she got a percentage, I'm sure, I hope. Yeah. Um, but uh, as far as anything in the Southeast, um, we self-booked all of it. And what's the approach? You don't have to give out any like actual numbers or anything, but like, how do you guys manage to do that? Are you guys taking the money that you're making on gigs and putting it back in to the to your expenses and then paying yourselves out afterwards, or how how are you managing um, to do that? We don't have like a a set formula um, as to what we do with the money at the end of the day. Um, but I will say, as time goes by and we're making more money than we used to, we are now setting money as so like, even if we're not on tour, like there's still such a thing as an anchor gig. Yeah, of course. Where you make a decent amount of money. Um, we're at the point where we're now putting um, every anchor gig money goes back into the bank, um, and we actually have a bank account. Yeah. Um, Money goes back into the bank, and then um, from there, we use it for all sorts of things. Um, we'll use it for merch, um, and then merch money goes back into the bank. Um, but at, at this point, um, and we all know that if you want to go into a new market, you got to take, like, if it's a market you have to be in, you have to take the offer. Yeah, um, totally. So ideally, as we put money into the bank, it's going to help us get into new markets um, financially in that we've got enough money for expenses so we don't have to make the expenses to physically be at this location that night. Right. So um, we're now at the point where we're putting money aside to try and get into different markets that yeah, give a little we've cushion, never been you know what I mean? you Absolutely. Always, you always take a hit whenever you go to a new market because yeah. you don't know what it's going to More than like. once. Yeah, like, yeah. like there's a, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of situations where you got to take a hit for years before you break into a market. Yep. I've been taking hits. I've been, ta I've been taking them. I've been just, I've just been taking them. I haven't gotten any gains yet. This guy's I'm like Mike Tyson's punching bag of his. <laughs> <laughs> body blue, body blue. Talk about fucking, talk about Willis sinking his own shit into everything. I, I feel that, man. I'm right there with him. I have the same mentality. But, you know, if you really want it, somebody's got to set that standard. You know, so, someone's got to set that precedent to kind of show the rest of everybody else. That it's like, hey, man. If I'm willing to work this hard. We all got to give yeah. them a little bit. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, man, that's, 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 that's a good leader right there for sure. He absolutely is. He is 1 million percent our spiritual cheerleader. Yeah. <laughs> he is 1 million percent the hardest working guy in the band. Um, he... Uh, He's pushing us to bigger and better things. That's yeah, great, he's all, that's that's great, yeah, man. It's a, it's a privilege to play with him. So is this like a podcast about Willis now? <laughs> Basically, um, how awesome it he could is. be. <laughs> no, yeah, <I'm> <laughs> I have no problem with that. None whatsoever. 
Um, all right, well, we should get, get to unpopular opinions. I suppose so. He was yeah. like, there's no way this is going to pass 30 minutes. I told you. This is bro, we've been going at this for <laughs> well over two hours now. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so let's, let's do it. Who wants to go first this time? Didn't you can go, go first. first. You, got, you went first. I went first last time, didn't I? All right, I'll go first then. All right. So my uh, first unpopular opinion is that rum sucks. You know what? That is super unpopular in Florida, but I fucking agree with you. I cannot stand rum. It's gross. Unless you put it in a pina colada, I'm out. Yeah, same. Same. Yeah, that's, um, that's a Florida thing. Do you like rum? Rum's gross. I love a mojito. Majitos. I like Majitos <laughs> too, but I never really was a mint Only, guy. like, do you like her to shave or not shave? Yeah, I like her to shave. <laughs> uh, no, I love mojitos. Um, I, however, as a career bartender, will only order a mojito if I'm out of town. Oh, yeah, you don't order a mojito in Jacksonville. No. no Why? No. You get a mojito in There's in a little Florida. extra work involved. Um, you got a muddle. Um, mint it's and, lime, and limes, right? Mint and lime. Yes, there's a little extra work involved, and I don't like to be troublesome to my friends that are in the industry. Yeah, that's how I feel too. I've been. I I learned how to make a Moscow mule at home, and I know it's not really much to it because it's just squeezing out of limes. But like, the, whenever I go to a, a, a bar now, it's just like they just put vodka and then ginger beer, and they just put a lime in it, and I'm like, yeah, that's exactly. not a fucking Moscow mule. Nope. Oh. Um, my turn for an unpopular opinion? Nah, yeah, we do, we do oh, three. Oh, yeah, we save you for the last. We save you for last. Oh, okay, cool. last. For okay, go ahead. Um, do you know who Jacob Collier is? No. Jacob Collier is this, like, wonder He's kid. one of the best musicians in the one world. One of the best musicians of all times. Uh, uh, he's just, like, he's really, really good at vocal. And uh, piano. Harmony and piano. He's an incredible jazz piano and whatever abstract piano. I mean, everything. Anyways, he's he just like nonstop putting out music like crazy and crazy. I'm like, Prolific. Oh, well, uh, yeah, and he's like super famous. Jacob Collier needs to get laid. Yeah. Is my unpopular opinion. <laughs> is all I'm trying to say. That, if there, if there was never, that man is a super. Quit, quit practicing. Go talk to a girl. I'm just saying, yeah. he's a super virgin. You did it. You're fucking famous now. You don't have to keep on fucking making us all feel bad. Just. It's definitely a hot take. Just, you know, just go, just look at it for a second. He's a he's a brilliant mind. Yeah. He had Herbie Hancock sitting there going like, "Okay, oh for yeah, sure, oh that makes sense. Okay, I got like literally like, this guy's just spouting shit out, and, he, and Herbie's just like, and he like dresses like Herbie, he had to process it. And Herbie got there, obviously. He was like, yeah. yeah, yeah, okay, okay, but it's just it took him a second to process it. Jacob Collier's just like going, oh, and no, just yeah. like I mean, it's just he's it's incredible. unreal. Well, he's clearly socially awkward though. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, you don't. He's, he's, as, he's as thin as a fucking uh, twig and everything like that. Yeah. He, he, but he also dresses like Herbie Hancock from the '70s with those fucking uh, 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 robes and everything. Yeah. And everything like that. Everything's way too big for him. Also. I, I just, just fucking, just somebody fuck him. Is all I'm trying to say. <laughs> Unpopular as hell. Unpopular. I, probably I, write even better music. I, I would actually go the opposite of, direction. I would say, don't get laid and keep doing what you're doing, yeah, bro. Yeah. Become a eunuch. <laughs> Chop off your genitalia. Cast it away. Yeah. Just do, and, and maybe maybe music will be good again. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Just imagine what that first heartbreak would be like for him. Oh yeah. That's like what I'm the dynamic, the dynamic change in music. I mean, Oof. and with with his understanding of how to really convey emotion through music, he'd probably fuck the world up. Yeah. He would be the death of the world if he if someone broke his heart. Mass suicide. Yeah, yeah. Totally. But imagine if he got laid though. He'd probably like not make music anymore. It'd be nice, actually. <laughs> yeah, it'd be nice. He have to compete. <laughs> 
Uh, all right, he's, so he's on another fucking level. Yeah, I'll show you some okay. videos. It's just ridiculous. So my second unpopular opinion is that bayonets are uh, overrated. Bayonets? Bay, ba, 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 beignets are beignets. Beignets? <laughs> oh. Okay. Beignets are overrated. Beignets from like New Orleans? Yeah. Like the, yeah. Overrated. Powdered sugar fried dough. They're Basically, just, just elephant ears from the carnivals, and they, they, those taste better, to be honest. Fun, like, it's a funnel cake, but it's but not all, as good. all once. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to get it. Yeah. Beignets are, are overrated. I, I feel bad. I've been in New Orleans twice, and I never had one. Well, they're overrated, so you're not missing out on much. Right. Okay. Um, uh, this is a good one. Uh, the wall of my dining room has better acoustics than most venues I've ever played at. <laughs> do you remember? We were, we were editing videos last week, and I just opened up a can of beer or something like that, and it's just like, it was like, just and I was amazing. just like, oh my, like, because we were in the middle of the sentence, like, you heard that, right? I'm yeah. Like, Fuck it. Well, everybody needs to record right in that fucking corner in my living room. Yeah, maybe we should start recording podcasts over there. Yeah, maybe we should. Anyways, go serious. Um, all right, so my last one is that Outcast is underrated. Uh, I yeah, I mean like Outcast is fucking. Amazing. You fan hip hop at all? Uh, no. Okay. Um, so I am familiar with Outcast, believe it or not. Um, I only know that one. Okay, so let me just kind of. This is no, no, but this, this is unpopular because they've Andre won three thousand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and big boy, yeah. Andre three thousand and big boy. Yeah. Uh, so this, this this is the thing, right? Is that they've won like Grammys and they've gotten like their accolades, Swill right? Nine, so keep going. What I'm saying is that I don't think that they get they don't get the the. the the credit they deserve for the right reasons, I feel like. If you listen, their first album came out in 1994, which is Southern Playlist of Cadillac Music. Yeah, they're pioneers. Yeah, but like I don't think, but but, but when you talk about Outkast, people are talking about like their their third album or their right. fourth album in, which is like the late 90s, which is fine. It's good. It's all uh, good. Uh, uh, but I'm saying, right? yeah, yeah, Equimini and like and like and Speaker Box and all that shit, the Love Below, all that stuff, which which is all really good. But like. If you listen to the hip hop that was happening in the early '90s, like you had, you had Biggie, you had Tupac, you had like the West Coast and, and East Coast thing, and then you had Outkast, which Southern completely Coast. took on this different. Like their flow was like it's it was timeless. Like you could listen to that record now and be like, oh, this 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 is this who the, I've never heard of this this is amazing. But like. It was '94 when they were doing that shit. It was pr- it was prolific. The lyrics, the flow, the, like the way that they were incorporating real instruments into their music. Do you know what else came out in 1994? Real instruments. The yeah. Fuck, the the Tootsie Roll came out in 1994. What are you saying? You're really you're really good at, at at connecting things that have nothing to do with each other. I was trying to say like that that was what hip hop was, and then Outkast came out and blew them out of the fucking water, but. Thank you. <laughs> but you, but you also do the other thing though, right? What you, uh, uh, either way, I'm just saying that. Yeah, Biggie, good. Tupac. Everybody no, no. Big, I'm saying like, take, kid. <laughs> they are underrated. Okay. All right. My last one is uh, uh, Jordan Peterson is Canadian Satan, and goddamn, that is a great band name. Canadian Satan. I <laughs> I like Jordan Peterson. I, I don't know. He's. Fu- I mean, I like, I don't get why. Would. I don't get why people hate him so much. That's all right. That's my last one. He's, Anyways, okay. So he's a psychologist. He was a psych professor at uh, some school in uh, Canada. No, Canada, but it was in. <laughs> it was, what's what's uh, Vancouver? That's, and, that's uh, Canada. Yeah, that's I know. But I was trying. I was trying. To, I was trying to, yeah, I was trying to. I know. I was trying to be all more day. specific though. Um, and he got fired 
because which is not necessarily the right way to approach something but he just didn't want to um he didn't want to acknowledge somebody's pronouns yeah which is well if you're a professor at a school maybe you should be a little bit more sensitive to those things but he got fired for that became a whole thing and then he has since come out and written like books and he's been on a bunch of podcasts and talks about his he's very uh he's very into himself uh well self-reliance as a whole Right and res- and s- and res- and personal he's responsibility. Really into gender roles. No, I mean apparently not. He's very very into like a man should be a man, apparently a woman not. should be a woman. Oh oh oh! oh That's no, all no. I'm trying to say. Well, he's he, he and that a woman should stay in the kitchen. That's and that not what he said. That's make not the what, bread. And see, the, 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 yeah, people the like Billy home. who come in and, and and hear these little these little clips of him out of context, and then they form these wild opinions about somebody say what you want, that bud. aren't real. Say what you and want. And it's like the guy is actually pretty open minded, but he does, no, but there, but. He is, I mean, you, but you don't know though, right? I've, I've listened to hours of this guy talk, like, and I know. And you would because you no, because I, because I give people a chance though. <laughs> he's into gender roles. Yeah, he's into it. I mean, I, I get the premise of it. I don't necessarily agree with start, it, but I understand where oh, it comes man, from. That's a great. I'm gonna start a bakery called Gender Rolls. <laughs> <laughs> Best bakery name <laughs> ever. And it's just like, it just and then it's like, what? What would you like? And I'm like, yeah, what, a pink one. You yeah. want a blue one? What? You think there's fucking co- colors of my fucking gender roles? <laughs> No. <laughs> you can you can one color and roll color. All right. Well, that's not that's not, but your opinion actually wasn't that unpopular. It's a good idea for a bakery though, I will say. Yeah, that, I don't know where that came from. But anyways, um, what's your what's you your unpopular one? opinion? Um, yes, my un extremely unpopular opinion is that Donna Jean Godchow did not ruin the Grateful Dead. She in fact Elevated the Grateful Dead. I'm a huge fan of Donna Jean. I like hearing the the, the female voice come in every once in a while. Speaking Um, of gender roles, you know. (laughs) She wasn't always on stage. I don't think that anybody was highly concerned with her monitor level. Um, Fucking A, people. You're going to like this. Donna Jean was a backup singer for Elvis Presley. Oh, I didn't know that. Prior to being a backup singer. Before... She was a backup singer for the Grateful was Dead. Was she was she a backup singer for Presley like the seventies, like early seventies era, which was which would have been amazing. Uh, I, I don't know what era. Late sixties. Late sixties. Okay, so this is when Elvis was starting to get get really like in. Muscle Shoals. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh yeah. Okay, so she's she's legit then. She is legit. However, I don't think her. I don't know how well she could ever hear herself on stage. Right. And. She fucking went for it 100% of the time. Yeah. Um, So a lot of people hate her. Um, Me personally, I think that if you listen enough, you're going to find moments of perfection, whether she was doing harmonies with Jerry, whether she was doing harmonies with Bobby. Um, The only reason I would ever have a woman on stage with me. I just said that. Gender <laughs> rolls. Um, I'm, Bobby's got to be a hard guy to do harmonies, though, right? Oh, or to no. do har- harmonies with, though, right? Um, I mean, you know, let's be honest. The guy wasn't, or still, it's uh, worse now than he was then. But I'm just saying. What did you say? Bob Weir. Bob oh, Weir. Bob um, Weir. Sorry, I, I didn't hear what you said. The two of them locked up. Like some of my favorite stuff is the two of them. Um, the whole sunshine daydream out of. Sunshine Daydream, I think, was fucking pure brilliance. The out of 
the out of Looks Like Rain, uh, really good, 72 to 74, was brilliant. Um, uh, she had a, a fucking beat it on down the line from the 70s was could be brilliant. I think it was a question of whether or not she could hear herself um, truly dictated how good or horrible she was. Sure, yeah. Do you think Tran Asagio or John Mayer was better with his dad? Uh, <laughs> I think John Mayer was better with the dad. Really? Um, I say that only in that I've seen Dead and Company. I did not see Trey with the band. Okay. I've seen a bunch of fish shows. Though. Let's be honest, though. I mean, like, like John Mayer is crushing that gig. Destroying it. Yeah, with, no, 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 yeah. With... With the utmost respect. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's good. Yeah, no, he's... I mean, the dude went in with literally zero knowledge of the dead or that style of music and, and literally just studied his ass off and authentically learned it and, I mean, just does it so well. Because yeah. he went... Because he he's appreciates he the music. music he's sure. His music is great, too. Don't no, be a dick, not. okay? Uh, well, if you're you're a big pop guy, right, and the the charts would disagree with you, right? About what? About how awesome John Mayer's. Your whole standard for good music is how many people like it, and I'm saying that his a lot of people like his music. That's not true. That's true. We've talked about it in the van plenty of times. I don't we had a camera that. on those conversations. Right? <laughs> um, Thank God we don't. <laughs> anyways, um, yeah, he's he, but yeah, man, he he really does that style so well. It's so impressive how quickly he learned it all and it, did it. it. It's obvious that it's completely being approached with respect. Yeah, for sure. His respect for the music that came before him. Um, the When I saw them, John Mayer literally didn't say anything into the microphone other than what he sang. Yeah. Like, it, like, it was not a John Mayer show. Yeah. It was not a John Mayer gig. It was Bobby's fucking gig. That's awesome. Um, also, um, one of the joys of my life was getting to watch O'Teal have the joy of his life by playing those songs with those guys. Yeah. I think it's so strange how like, uh, like not strange, but like that, that the fans of that band are the most sensitive people about that band for good reason. Cause they're so good and everything like that. But like, I, I just can't imagine like any other person or any other band would be like, well, there's some fucking person playing in my band. Like they like want to fight about it all the time. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. I don't know. I think that there might is be there some, any some other, other band examples. like that. You know what I mean? Well, is there any other band that's been around as long as they have? That's true. The Stones. The Stones, right? but like the Stones have been. That's I, it. That's like literally it. It's yeah. the Stones. Well, and I'm totally okay with Ron Wood. Yeah. Fucking a. I'm a huge Faces fan. I love Ron Wood. He can do, uh, like. He, but he's been with them for for a long time now. Yes, a very long time. Yeah. But it is it is it is incredible to me that there's it's not just a fucking band of the music. It's this giant, huge like bigger than like star trek or star wars fanatics that like that like mm -hmm. will fucking fight you if you fucking say the wrong fucking things yeah well it's, it's a similar dynamic i love, with no, I love it i'm not and within the same with within the same large they'll fight, group they'll fight, they'll you fight each <laughs> they'll fight each other yeah. like 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 there's this guy over here oh but i can see it now like 2025 the grateful civil war it's grateful civil war <laughs> just destroy the hey, fucking that wipe out a West. small that'd wipe out a good part of the population dude i guarantee you just donna alone will would cause a schism through the entire group that 
could be war. That, yeah. That's wild. Yeah. yeah. I mean, people get so pa- people get so like wrapped up in all those little things. You know, I get it I, for it's sure. I get. It. I, I, you know I mean? If the Beatles had that same kind of dynamic, I'd probably be in that in that kind of a camp that as is well. That's true. If Yoko didn't fucking destroy all of it, you, the Beatles would probably be around. Oh, uh, what a fucking like 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 patriarchal thing for you to say that Yoko, the woman, destroyed it, bro. Yeah, she destroyed it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm just fucking around. Pretty sure. Yeah, like that's what, what I understand. Yeah. yeah, I was making a joke. I just don't understand how you needed to bring Jordan Peterson back into this. <laughs> Boom! There you go. Gender roles opening next week. <laughs> In five points. I can't wait to sell some biscuits to you. Uh, you know what I mean? Well, this has been an amazing episode. <laughs> yeah, Thanks great. for having me. Adam Blast, thank you so much for having me. Hell yeah. Absolutely. Hell yeah. Gender roles. All right. Adios, <laughs> we tried to. <laughs>